This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning. Terry's in the house. Baby on board. Actually, yeah. baby delivered. Hopefully sleeping. Uh, but I doubt it. Congratulations. Hey, thanks. Cute little Morgan. Perfect little baby girl. 55 pounds. Nine six. six. Ounce. Nine six. Nine That's a pounds. big baby. Yeah. Oh. It's a big, like, turkey. Did, uh, did Sadie just rest and give you all of the updates because she did such a great job. She's yeah. the new Terry. We've been calling her Terry lately. Well. But she says, just call me Sadie. Yeah, that'd probably be better. It just works better that way. <laughs> Man, what a what a show we got for you today. Joe Cannon will be uh, with us, our, our uh, Joe in the know, to talk about last night's debate. I told him we'll talk about the video. Yeah. Yeah. The video. We'll the talk about video. The debate. And we'll talk about Republicans leaving Trump. Is that going to matter? It's a big deal. It's not going to matter. I think at that point you could you know, fill the time talking to Joe. The debate is <laughs> – where do you even begin? I watched it on split screen. Uh-huh. I had the debate on one side with the audio and then the football game on the other side. Yeah. Just so I had something to divert my attention when I got kind of bogged down in what it got bogged down in. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I'm bored. Oh, look, football. My kid was totally confused. I can't you know, hear the football game. I haven't What's going watched on? football this whole season. I don't think I've watched one game. Really? That's why the ratings are falling. Could be. People like me, tired of yeah, How many everything. TVs do you have? Six. Oh. They're convinced, the NFL's convinced it's because of the election. Eh. That's the story they're trying to speak. Yeah, I think that's just a small part of it. Sounds think, like a pretty boring uh, news or a ratings war. Mm-hmm. We have a pretty. We have a lot more to do. We we have a lot more to watch. Right. We had a lot more to watch last year too, but the ratings were huge for the NFL. Wonder why. Don't know. So some of the there's not. I mean, Tom Brady's back. Yeah, he just rolls back in, throws for 400 yards and four touchdowns after yeah. hanging out in what France. Italy last year, yeah. last week. So. Yeah, we're, yeah, that 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 helped. Yeah, it's great. That tan he got. We we'll get to all of that fun. Plus, of course, the debate fun. Um. Just so much to talk about. And some of it, I really don't even know if I want to talk about it. No, most of it we don't. Hmm. That's why I only got one cut from Saturday Night Live instead of the more that I wanted, but <laughs> I couldn't figure out a way to clean it up. I do have a feeling that it's over for Donald Trump. Huh. I think it's over. I would find it interesting if it wasn't. I was going to make a, a comment about a fat lady, but yeah, he don't already do that. did. Yeah, it's been so. covered. I'm really, really hoping that his next gig is the new colonel on the KFC commercials. <laughs> That'll be a, that would be see, a genius move. It, he'd have to have his own hair, though. It wouldn't be white. It'd yeah, but it could yellow. be his hair that they just spray paint. But he's white. already got the spray tan, right? So he's ready to go. He'd look great. We'll get to all that fun. Plus, uh, just more headlines, more news that you need to know. But first, let's get to Sadie Nielsen and the headlines. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? According to a CNN ORC poll of those who watched the presidential debate Sunday night, some 57% say they believe Hillary Clinton won the contest. Only 34% felt the same way about Donald Trump. 
Clinton's reported victory wasn't as quite as strong as the 62% who believed she won the first debate, and 58% of those who watched said they were already supporting the Democratic candidate before the debate even began. The debate came a week after scandals for both candidates, and the head-to-head battle was hotly anticipated. A new poll released Sunday morning shows that the majority of Republican voters want the party to stand by Trump in the wake of recently published sexually sexually explicit comments he made in 2005. Three quarters of GOP voters believe Trump should still receive support from the party at large, which just 13 percent said the RNC should abandon him, according to the Politico Morning Consult poll. Additionally, just 48 percent of Republican voters said the recorded remarks published Friday by The Washington Post make them view Trump less favorably, and 36 percent said it did not affect how they view him. A man suspected of fatally shooting two police officers in Palm Springs, California, was arrested early Sunday morning, 12 hours after the incident. Two officers were killed and the other one was wounded while responding to a domestic disturbance call on Saturday. The suspect, John Felix, 26, began shooting when the officers approached the home. Police Chief uh, Brian Rays identified the officers as Leslie Zerubin and the mother of a four-month-year-old baby and Jose Gilbert Gil Vega, who planned on retiring from the force in December after 35 years. And finally, yes. cannonballs from the Civil War were found on the beach in South Carolina after Hurricane Matthew passed over the state, according to oh, officials. Oh, wow, cool. Uh, former Foley Beach Mayor Richard Beck found the cannonballs. There were 15 welded together by rust during a walk on the beach investigating the storm's effects. Beck called police together to investigate the cannonballs, which were identified as such by an officer who is a Civil War reenactor. I can't tell, Sadie, if you're saying cannonballs or cannibals. Cannonballs. <laughs> cannonballs. There were some cannibals that were welded together. That would be a more interesting story. There were like 15 cannibals. Let me enunciate cannonballs. Welded together. That is um, – and were they found like – were they just sitting there then? Yeah, they were just sitting there. Apparently it was going to take them a while to detonate, but uh, they got that all under control now. Really? Yeah. Is um, It seems like, like now everybody's going to be out there with their little – uh, what are they called? Magnetometer. What are those things gold, called? Gold detectors. Yeah, yeah. They're Except little metal they're not, detectors. They're not gold. They're going to be detectorists, as the great uh, TV show from England calls them. Yeah. The detectorists? The detectorists. <laughs> There's also some thought that Hurricane Matthew may have helped with the s- slowing of the spread of Zika. Through Florida, oh, really? Georgia, and the like South. blowing all of the little all those mosquito mosquitoes eggs were everywhere. destroyed or whatever, and the mosquitoes that have reemerged aren't the right kind that carry. Interesting, Zika. but those will come back, but eventually. Wow, not right now. Well, thank you, Sadie. Uh, well done, detectorists. <laughs> not a thing. Not a thing. Boy, I'm I'm really glad it's cannonballs <laughs> instead of cannibals. Nothing ruins a weekend. More than like finding a bunch of cannibals. Welded together on a beach. <laughs> so Donald Trump, uh, where do you begin? That was fun. I, I, I was looking forward as, you know, kind of a, uh, how it's like you're watching a car accident. You don't yeah. want to watch it, but you, but you can't, can't look away. you can't take your eyes so off So you're it. waiting for him to bring up, as he said, he's, he's not going to, congratulated himself after the first uh-huh. debate, not talking about Bill Clinton. Then they released the video. And then the video happened, so you knew the only, kind of the only way he could go to defend himself is saying that he's worse, and that's what he did. 
and you're watching that first couple, what, 12, 15 yeah. minutes of the debate, and you're like, wow, this is happening. Someone is actually doing this in a presidential debate. Somebody is saying this. Yeah, and the people online are posting pictures of bombs going off and people like their whole kitchen's on fire as they're trying to cook and just, you know. I mean, and I, uh, I, I don't even know where to begin because there's so many things to talk about. A, four women, former accusers of Bill Clinton for sexual abuse. Now, we can start right there. There was yeah. no handshake. No handshake. Right? They just sort of said yeah. hello. She's like, I'm not touching The you. families walk in. Bill Clinton walks in by himself. And then Melania Trump walks in with the three kids. Right? You got Donald Jr., yeah. Eric, and Ivanka all walk in. Like, why are those three there? The Trump campaign had a plan to have the three women, the three Bill Clinton accusers, walk in with Melania. Uh, they wanted Donald to have to either look at them in the face or would he shake their hand. They wanted that confrontation right there at the very front, and the debate commission caught it. They, uh, the Washington Post reports about just five minutes before they went on and told them if they go out there, security will remove them. They're not allowed in the family box. Wow. And so Rudy Giuliani then brings them into the kind of the front row of the bleachers, and they sit over in the corner. They, they sit in the seen. Giuliani box. So they were trying to have this sort of nonverbal sort of confrontation yeah. with Bill Clinton right well, off the and then, then every shot of the family would be a shot of these four women. Yes. So is Giuliani hoping for some kind of a post? Yeah. Postmaster General. Gi- Gi- Giuliani's going for Postmaster General. <laughs> He's going for, yeah, probably Secretary, I don't know, State or something. Who knows what he'd want? I don't know. Um, it's. I, do you begin with the debate or do you begin with the comments that or the video that came out that Melania was completely disgusted by, that Pence made a comment Along with, I don't know, hundreds of others that just said. At least said, 50 Republican, uh, you know, politician, leaders, politician, left Trump. Yeah. They said we're, we're drawing our Done. support of him. Newspapers left. I mean, it's. Now, to be fair, these aren't ardent supporters of Trump. These were people who were supporting him more, it felt like, because it was a party thing rather well, than McCain they were made a comment. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul Ryan made a comment. He's. <laughs> Paul Ryan was supposed to have an event in Wisconsin with Trump and Pence, and that was all canceled when the video came out. But let's be real. Trump did apologize for the video. I've never said I'm a perfect person, nor pretended to be someone that I'm not. I've said and done things I regret, and the words released today on this more than a decade-old video are one of them. Anyone who knows me knows these words don't reflect who I am. I said it. I was wrong. And I apologize. And then right after that. But. He then started beating up Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton is worse. Because, you know, a really sincere apology immediately, then you cast aspersions on someone else. Yeah. It's a tried and true tactic to apologize. But it doesn't make sense because he said anybody that really knows me wouldn't would know that this that this isn't me. Unless, of course, you knew him in a locker room. You brag that you have sexually assaulted women. Do you understand that? No, I didn't say that at all. I don't think you understood what was said. This was locker room talk. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I apologize to my family. I apologize to the American people. Certainly, I'm not proud of it. But this is locker room talk. You know, when we have a world where you have ISIS chopping off heads, where you have wars and and horrible, horrible sights all over. And yes, I'm very embarrassed by it. I hate it. But it's locker room talk. 
Sounds like the sniffing is back, too. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. He's got that post-nasal drip thing. Um, so how about how's that? How's that tactic? Go talk about it. Say it's just locker room talk and then pivot to ISIS. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is it's it's true. ISIS is they are lopping heads off. Yeah. Has nothing to do with your locker room talk. And no. I've been in locker rooms mm. and I don't now, hear that talk. There. I've been in locker rooms. Yeah. I can say I've heard similar things. We were 14. Yeah, right. 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 Not 59. Well, not a 59-year-old star talking about abuse. Right. Because he he basically was saying he could do anything he wanted to anyone because he's a celebrity. And he does. And then that's why why they were asking him. So you're admitting to abusing women. No, I, I didn't admit to that. I just said it. Is Hillary taking a similar approach with her emails? No, well, that was that Hillary's, was just email. Those were just uh, that was just email chat. Yeah, yeah. But there's people lopping heads off of others. In she just wants to get away. She she didn't want to bring this up. I mean, any other candidate that didn't have a husband that had Hillary's problems probably would have jumped on this and ridden mm-hmm. this through the entire debate. Yeah, she, she couldn't get out of there fast enough on she, that topic. If Bill Clinton wasn't her husband, she could have probably ended his campaign last night. Oh, you just keep crazy. kind of driving it home, but she couldn't because they'd have to talk about her husband. But and what does it say? I mean, I get there's locker room talk. I get that, but this is pretty out there. Yeah, and to have it, and then Billy Bush. <laughs> yeah, he's off the Today he Show. He got this kicked morning. off the Today Show today. Indefinitely, probably not coming back. I don't know how NBC could bring him back. Uh, today Show, their their number one demographic is women. So that's not going to play well. Yeah. yeah. Last night I'm I'm scrolling through Twitter and I go, oh hey, someone took the uh, the effort to go ahead and do a transcript of that video and looked at my wife. I go, would you like to read it? She's like, no. I no, go, I'm right. so good. So not... I have the entire transcript, word yeah. for word. If you, like. I don't like to read stuff like that. All right. Uh, Trump, by the way, he, he didn't end just there. He then basically threatened to lock Hillary Clinton up if um, if he wins. Last time at the first debate, we had millions of people uh, fact-checking, so I expect we'll have millions more fact-checking because, you know, it is – it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. (laughs) And he did. He said he he would immediately appoint somebody – A special prosecutor. And put her in jail for what she's done with Which her was after the show, a lot of the uh, post game, you could say, was talking about that's something that happens like a dictator takes over, the people who run against them go to jail. Yeah. That's not yeah. something that happens here. Right. So what's he saying this morning? Kellyanne Conway, his, uh, his uh, spokesperson, says that was just a quip. Yeah. That let, wasn't let, like actual let's, behavior. Let's listen to the quip 12. If I win, I am going to instruct my attorney general, to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. There has never been anything like it. And we're going to have a special prosecutor. When I speak, I go out and speak. The people of this country are furious. In my opinion, the people that have been long-term workers at the FBI are furious. There has never been anything like this where emails and you get a subpoena. You get a subpoena, and after getting the subpoena, you delete 33,000 emails. And then you acid wash them or bleach them, as you would say, a very expensive process. 
So we're going to get a special prosecutor and we're going to look into it because you know what? People have been, their lives have been destroyed for doing one-fifth of what you've done. And it's a disgrace. And honestly, you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Uh, Sorry. He does have a deviated septum. He has some As a doctor, I can already tell that. Um, Is it his microphone again? I I, I don't think so. I think he actually breathes through his nose with a slight whistle. Um, It's not just Hillary Clinton he's disagreeing with. He's also disagreed with Mike Pence, his running mate, about what to do with the people in Syria. I've spoken and I disagree. I disagree. You disagree with your running mate. I think we have to knock out ISIS. Right now, Syria is fighting ISIS. We have people that want to fight both at the same time. But Syria is no longer Syria. Syria is Russia, and it's Iran, who she made strong, and Kerry and Obama, made into a very powerful nation and a very rich nation very, very quickly, very, very quickly. I believe we have to get ISIS. Hmm. I came in like a rainbow. <laughs> He's just... So how often have you heard that? Yeah. I disagree with my running mate. I disagree with my opposition. I disagree with my party. And I disagree with pretty much half of Congress. Yeah. Yeah. Your candidate, Donald Trump. And, uh, but to wrap it all up, I think... But he's not a politician. Not obviously, not a politician. And um, one more clip about Hillary Clinton and Donald's views on Hillary. I respect his children. His children are incredibly able this is crazy. and devoted. And I think that says a lot about Donald. I don't agree with nearly anything else he says or does, but I do respect that. Uh, I will say this about Hillary. She doesn't quit. She doesn't give up. I respect that. I tell it like it is. She's a fighter. I disagree with much of what she's fighting for. I do disagree with her judgment in many cases, but she does fight hard and she doesn't quit and she doesn't give up. And I consider that to be a very good trait. How does that work with his stamina critique that yeah. he gave her before? Well, that was then. That was last week? Yeah. That she has no stamina? So what she, yeah. So what she likes about him are his children. Well, yeah, because she didn't want to say anything. So, pick, you know, kids, great, kids. <laughs> Which is great because her daughter's like best friends with his daughter. Right. So, well, or were. Depending. Yeah, yeah. Who knows now? We'll see how this works. And, um, and, and he likes what? Her. She sticks to things. She, she goes. Her stick-to-itiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, I'm back to the stamina. It's like, does she have stamina or does yeah. she never quit? It's- so, so take that good feeling moment that we just had there where Donald and, and Hillary were really good friends. And let's just, let's just close it out with one more quote. Those commercials, a race where you lost, fair and square, unlike the Bernie Sanders race where you won, but not fair and square, in my opinion. And all you have to do is take a look at WikiLeaks and just see what they said about Bernie Sanders and see what Deborah Wasserman Schultz had in mind. Because Bernie Sanders, between superdelegates and Deborah Wasserman Schultz, he never had a chance. And I was so surprised to see him sign on with the devil. Oh, the devil. Was that his impression of the devil there at the end? (laughs) Yeah. Oh. Honestly, I think we've reached a completely new low in presidential politics. You will ne- I mean, you won't see another one of these debates like this. You won't see that. I can't imagine I mean except for the next one. Um 
again for 50 years. Yes! Anyway, up next, Joe Cannon, Joe in the know, our Washington insider, is going to walk us through what he thought about the debate and what it means for the future. Is everybody going to just abandon Trump? I mean, who knows? People are still jumping ship. Stick with us. We'll find out from Joe in the know. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. A little Bob Dylan music. Political world means there's only one person on the phone. Joe Cannon, he is our Joe in the know and a past Republican Party chairman in the state of Utah. He was also a candidate for U.S. Senate, served as an assistant administrator to the U.S. EPA agency underneath uh, Ronald Reagan and editor of the Deseret News. Joe is in the know, and uh, we like to bring him on the show to pick his brain about all things political. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Good. What do you think, uh, just your first initial reaction to last night? I'm sorry. I have to do this show, and you made me watch it. I know. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, on what a new low. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, many of the things about the uh, the debate were just breathtaking. I mean, uh, directly saying, I'm going to put you in jail. Oh. In. I mean, and there are so many, so many things. Um, it, well, I actually wanted to start out by saying a couple of, uh, since, since we had to watch that on Sunday, I thought we ought to have some scriptural. Yes, give us uh, a scripture. There. Okay, so Jeremiah chapter 6. Uh, verse 14, starting at verse 14. Um, well, starting at verse 15. Were, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Oh. Thus, thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways... And, and ask for the old paths, where is the good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest to your souls. But they said, we will not walk therein. Anyway, that's why wow. we're, we're beyond blushing now. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're not and ashamed. Then, and then look at, and then in Luke, just to finish up, because this, this applies actually more to both candidates. Right. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed neither hid that shall not be known. Mm. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which ye have spoken in the ear, in closets, shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Oh, my heavens. I think that's where we are today. That was the debate last night. (laughs) Nothing shall be covered. That which was spoken in the dark shall be spoken in the bright lights of a debate. Wow. Or through WikiLeaks or yeah. through whatever. Well, and it went, I mean, I mean, really, from having four, from having the past, the past president sitting there along with four of his accusers from that imagery to um, bringing up such comments. And really, Hillary Clinton, it seemed like didn't, she didn't want much to do with that line of questioning. Seemed like she didn't quite jump on it 
any other candidate probably would have jumped on that all day, wouldn't they? Because that, that's the well, death knell, that, isn't it? Well, I think what what she did with respect to that was, you know, pretty smart. Look, the facts speak for themselves. Uh, the 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 horrible, loathsome language dominated the weekend, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, so she's just so you know, Stay above it. you know, you don't need to, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> when everybody else is making your case, including your opponents, your Republican opponents, you know, why why should you go a deep dive there? Um, when the tape came out, Joe. Um, when was it? Saturday, Friday night, late Friday, Saturday day. What yeah. what went through your head? I mean, did you have an immediate gut reaction? Well, I mean, probably like many people and many of your listeners, it was just uh, everyone sort of knew that Trump was a, kind of a, a was this loathsome person, but to actually hear how vulgar he could really be. And then act like everybody does that. Look, I'm a guy, and I hang around lots of guys when there are no mm. women around, and hear men talk. Uh, I personally have never heard anything like that. Right. Uh, now, I'm not saying other people don't talk like that, but but uh, I, I don't know. For him, to, he, he acts like that's sort of normal. And while I was just, quote, locker room talk, I don't know. I've been in locker rooms. Um, I, I don't know. It just uh, seems so uh, loathsome. Uh, and a lot of a lot of people reacted to it. So well, and in a weird way, it also again, it just kind of seems like men are bums and they can't think differently than locker room talk. I mean, I get that men, some men talk that way, but that's not the norm, and that's not even the norm in locker rooms. <laughs> right, but they yeah, make it well, sound like it is. People said that's an insult to uh, an insult to locker rooms. Right? I mean, yeah. Now all of a sudden, all the men are being kind of uh, offended. Like, don't say I'm part of that. But but really, um, it's. I, I I mean, I guess in the way it it just kind of it opened up the curtain, and people thought that Donald was one person and another person publicly, but. I mean, it was it's pretty blatant. That's Donald. I mean, this was a few weeks after he had married Melania. This was this was weird. Well, it definitely eliminated any doubt about uh, that part of his character. Uh, uh, having said that, I do. I guess I can't resist saying one thing. It's it's I'm astonished at the puritanical sanctimony of the Democrats and the media in, in trumpeting this when. Uh, it is true that Bill Clinton actually did stuff and got nominated, and Hillary did cover for it. I'm not making the argument for Trump here. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that, that, that there is a, an awful lot of irony uh, in in the uh, this kind of kind of the sanctimony of many in the media and the Clinton campaign, given you know given uh, Bill's actual record. Again, right. I, I I hate to parrot a Trump argument on this, but, um, you know, I mean, the fact is we have descended. When I talk about we couldn't blush, I, I wasn't dishonestly saying that about Donald J. Trump, but our whole society has de- descended into this, uh, you know, uh, just dark, uh, low place where, you know, everything is sort of carnal, sensual, and devilish. And, uh, 
It's just how how life is, and it's really it's very the public discourse is very very discouraging, and lots of young people don't even know there was any different. But I but for older listeners, I would say before Bill Clinton, before the horrible um, uh, uh, nomination uh, process of uh, oh shoot. Uh, Hmm. Uh, one of the justices. <laughs> anyway, you you look at the uh, oh uh, Bork, uh, not Bork. Well, Bork Bork was a, a, a uh, uh, oh justice. Um, a, Bork was a turning point in in public discourse in yeah. terms of uh, how how crass things have gotten uh, in terms of just political insults, um, but. Uh, yeah, anyway, it's just that you could cast your mind back even just a few years and find that public discourse wasn't always this way. It wasn't always, uh, you know, so coarse and so, you know, hideous. Yeah, it used to it used to take a um, it, we used to have a kind of take a higher road on some of this. Uh, oh, Justice Clarence Thomas. Yeah, Justice Thomas. That's yeah, yeah that that did re, that did create the beginning of this incredible, uh, I guess, lowering of of the discussion and the um, and the discourse. One thing I that I again, you can't, you don't want to, you don't want to support Trump. Uh, some of his approaches here, but his his um, his position that Hillary Clinton seems to do a lot of things and never, ever, ever seems to be caught. It does seem to resonate. That that line of thinking resonates with a large percentage of Republicans, it seems like, that that she's she's always been out of reach of everyone. And I, I guess this is the thing, is that one minute he's like, yeah, I mean, I committed I mean, I did say what I said, and it was horrible. But Bill Clinton was worse, and so it's almost like he can he can get away with certain things because he can always state another truth. But the two truths don't make; they're not mutually exclusive. I don't know how to I don't know how to put it. Yeah. But. Well, uh, yeah, they're sort of asymmetric. A- yeah, exactly. Uh, he'll say one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, having having said all this, and really, we're spending most of this discussion here talking about the consequences of the of the leaked tape, the the hot mic discussion. But I think uh, in, for me, watching the debate, and I think for lots of people watching it, wondering, well, how is he going to get out of this? Is, is mm. it even possible? And I will say this, even though I think, and I think most observers think, uh, uh, that, that Hillary Clinton won this debate in the sense that uh, you know, she stayed on method. She was pretty positive. She's very disciplined. Uh, there are plenty of people on both sides who think that, well, of course, the Trump enthusiast, uh, it was the best debate ever. I mean, I read so many, uh, you know, Googling around preparing for this morning, so many, mm-hmm. you know, crazy statements about it. It was an absolute knockout. Rudy Giuliani said it was the best debate ever. <laughs> in all of human history, and that wow. uh, Trump clearly won. He said all, a lot of the total all-in Trump people were unashamedly, oh, he, he won. But the kind of so when you, when you layer it back a little bit and you look at 
what what really happened. You had a, a lot a lot of people, uh, even including uh, Hillary supporters, talking about how he probably made a comeback here. Hmm. He he didn't uh, he didn't lose at all. I mean, I just, just watching this morning on CNN, you had some you know pretty smart people, you know, mostly from the Democrat side, just saying, well, you know, he he stopped the bleeding. And yeah, put the bumper sticker on. Frank Luntz is a you know very right. very smart guy, and you know it's true he tends to lean Republican, but I'd be very surprised if he leaned you know pro Trump. But you know he basically says, look, the remarks are bad, but Clinton's email fiasco is worse. Mm. Uh, 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 he said that. Um, yeah, he, I don't know that he thinks that he won the debate, but he looked at his focus groups, and his focus group tended to be more pro-Trump after the debate than before. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, I, I just just to be clear, I I think that the the race is completely lost for Donald Trump yeah. at this point. But having been wrong so many times <laughs> last year, but you know, she's now winning in, in virtually every important state. Right. Um, and she's way ahead in Pennsylvania. She's edged ahead in Ohio. Uh, she's she's ahead in Florida now. I mean, when you start looking state by state, um, you know, as I said, she's up a hair in in Ohio. Uh, she's up in North Carolina. She's up in Nevada. Uh, so everywhere you look, there, there are chances for Trump. He's down and she's up. So yeah. it, it's hard to make a case. And now there are plenty of people who do make cases that, that well, those polls don't reflect, you know, what's true. But that's uh Well, yeah, and it seems like Donald still points to the fact that he has good crowds and his but crowds aren't electorate I mean, it's not the electorate necessarily, and it's also not the um it's not the college, that as well. So we'll come back, continue the discussion with Joe Cannon, our Washington insider. Go check out his website, fuelfreedom.org, uh, a wonderful resource trying to lower fuel costs here in the United States. Stick with us. More with Joe in the know in just a minute. At first, you could only listen to what's on right now. But with the new BYU Radio app, you can listen to pretty much everything BYU Radio has ever aired. Check out over 200 episodes of Top of Mind, 300 from the Kim Power Stilson Show, and 600 shows from the Matt Townsend Show and BYU Sports Nation, each available anywhere you go. Download the new BYU Radio app, available on all iOS, Android, and Amazon mobile devices. Welcome back, friends. Joe Cannon on the phone with us. Joe in the know. He's our Washington insider, and we like to pick his brain after we have these political events like the debate to just get uh, get the inside scoop of what he's hearing from his friends and also just what he sees from his many years of uh, working in the political world. Joe, thanks again for being here. What um, what what does it say when when in your own debate you end up taking on Mike Pence, your running mate, <laughs> and his views on Syria? Well, well, I, yeah, I mean, I will say one thing that that was pretty interesting that he would again. It's, it's really trademark Trump that totally. um, 
that look, uh, I I'm the candidate. I maybe that guy said something. I don't know. We're not on the same page on that one. But, um, I mean, it did show that Donald had some insight into Syria. Yeah, like was, that was surprising. Well, I thought, wow, okay. I think you know. Again, I'm just reacting. Well, my own reaction was the the debate was notwithstanding the gargantuan elephant in the room of uh, Donald's uh, character and and sort of the loathsome part of him, the debate was much, much more substantive than the last debate, very, very much more substantive. I think he showed, and a lot of the commentators, even on the Democrat side, were were surprised, actually, a little bit. You you can see the sort of surprise. Wow, he he spoke longer than two sentences on a couple of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so I think the debate was a uh, was more substantive last night, and I think he he actually showed some uh, some in depth knowledge of issues. I, I was personally kind of surprised. Of um, course, I don't know where it could go. He has to show he's got to do something. Yeah, he has to show that he that that he knows something about the issues. Is um, I, I mean, I guess too. There was no handshake at the beginning. Which was right. uh, pretty telling. There was, I guess, a handshake at the end. They did shake hands at the end. Yeah, which I mean, now, that's of course because he's because as, as he told us very plainly, he's a gentleman. Right. So you go first, Hillary. I know. I, I just want you to know I'm a gentleman. That was a repartee <laughs> during the debate. Yeah. And of course, he, he he offers his hand, and she's not going to not shake it. I don't think. No, I, I mean she did. But I don't think she thought about not shaking it. Right. Well, and so for for a for a, a guy that needs to really draw women in, we've been told. I mean, that's he he needs more suburban women to come his way. Um, this this was a pretty devastating weekend. Yeah, I don't I don't think anything during the weekend or in the debate uh, moved the needle in his direction. If anything, it just reconfirmed. Uh, that the, the you know suburban white women educated women uh, perspective on who he is. I mean he didn't he he is who he is, and I don't think anything changed on that. Hmm. Which is one reason I think the numbers are where they are. Yeah. Well, um, do, do you sense even a bigger swing uh, in the next few days when the when the new results come in more toward Hillary? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't see. Uh, I don't. I don't. Well, I don't think the debate is going to overcome the repugnance of right. the tapes. So even if he quote stop the bleeding, I think that uh, it's still the that the the whatever happens in the debate is going to be overwhelmed by. By the, uh, like I said, the loathsomeness of his of who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's no, and actually, even in the in the polls that have been the very few polls that have been taking place since, uh, it doesn't look you know very good for him. I will say one interesting thing. You know, I, mean, I come from a place that my old newspaper for the first time in 80 years editorialized on a on a presidential race. I don't know if you Yeah, I saw that. Right? Is editorial, yeah. Um, but it turns out in a, in a poll of all Republicans, only about 12% of the Republicans think he should drop out. Now 12% is massive in an election. Right. You know, they're going to be just, but it's interesting that 88% of the Republicans don't think he should drop out. 
so he's still got some base out there. <laughs> what he's done, though, is limited himself to that base. And I think that he continued to do that in the, um, in the debate. So he's, he kept and strengthened his base, but his base is still in the, you know, uh, mid 40s to, to high 30s. Well, and so much of that, it seems like, is it's just so anti Clinton, the Republican base, than it is pro Trump, right? It's oh, right. so yeah, just, yeah, yeah. I mean, because he can, he really can say anything. And everything I still hear around the water cooler in a church is like, well, yeah, but, you know, what about Hillary? So, but. Well, that's the only, the only thing. Well, it's just to be fair, it's true in both directions. Yeah. It's also a very unpopular candidate. And I think people are saying if Trump were running against anyone else but Hillary, he'd be totally dead. But it's also true that if Hillary were running against anybody but Trump, she would be dead. I mean, you know, we're we're, we're talking about how she won the debate. He landed some pretty hmm. hard blows. Right. And for her to talk about her lying, which is totally evident in place, and try to compare herself to Abraham Lincoln, I think that was one of the low-slash-high moments in, the, in terms of high irony uh, in the debate. So... It's it's not. I mean, we're spending a lot of time on Trump, and deservedly so. But you you got to ask yourself, mm. what if Mike Pence were running against Hillary Clinton? What if Marco Rubio were running? Or what if uh, John Kasich were running against Hillary Clinton? I oh. think the race would be the race would yeah. be over right totally. now. Totally. Well, yeah, you could take you could have taken such a different position on all of these things. Do you sense that? Um, that I mean, let's say three more videos of similar uh, content are released about Donald Trump. Is there a point that the Republican Party would actually, or can they actually, just just un I don't know unnominate him, just not remove him? No, I don't think that it's actually legally possible. <clears throat> to remove a candidate. Again, I don't know what federal laws, but in many states, if not all states, in order to replace a candidate, especially at this stage where the ballots have already been printed, people are already voting, the only time you can actually change it is if a person is disqualified by death or mental incapacity. Okay. Maybe some would argue that maybe that would be the argument. I don't know. <clears throat> but... Um, no, I don't see uh, how you change a candidate at this point. A, B, he's not willing to change. Yeah. C, even after the debate, some number of people are coming back and saying, maybe the chickens should come back to the nest, and you know, maybe we should still unify because however bad he is, Hillary's mm. Hillary. Uh, we've heard a little bit from from Paul Ryan. I guess he's having a conference call, maybe right now. I mean. Huh. Yeah. This, this morning, anyway, in Washington, uh, to talk with, with other Republican leaders about what to do. I don't know what that conversation is going to be, but my instinct is: look, this is a horrible situation. He's he's not fit in the way we would think, but he's the candidate, and we don't have any choice. It's either one of two people is going to be president. Well, uh, I, but, I guess, but I guess, but I guess. You also don't want to lose women forever, 
right? So, I mean, if two or three more scandals come out, or not even scandals, just more evidence, it seems like it might be a good political move somewhere to just run again. Well, I mean, what, that's what could come out of the call. Is, yeah. Is, look, Republicans, uh, now is the time for all good people to come to the aid of their party. So whatever you think about Trump, you know, do whatever you think. But we have really got to double down. I'm just quoting, you know, yeah, what, yeah. what Ryan would say, what somebody else would say. We've got to double down on making sure that we get those down-ballot uh, candidates elected. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of whom seem to be yeah, honestly, doing pretty well, despite Trump. Right. I mean, I guess all of them can all now come out and say, yeah, like uh, McCain finally said he's withdrawing any support. I mean, they're all uh, – Kelly Ayotte, I think she's pulled away. I mean, it seems like you've got to oh, yeah. distance yourself. And I mean, it's it's interesting how quickly a lot of them did distance themselves. What do you see the future of the Republican Party being? I mean, the Republican chaos is what got – this group here and got Donald Trump in there. Um, what does it look like the next four years? Let's say he loses. Uh, Hillary Clinton is in there. Does the Republican Party rebound? Well, um, I would just say the Republican Party is in a lot better shape than the Democrat Party. I mean, the, the country is moving Republican. Mm-hmm. If you look at the state, the governorships, the state legislators, the Senate, the House, it is and should be a Republican should be. I'm not normative. I'm just saying, yeah. given all the demographics, it should be more Republican than it is. And I think this particular election is overwhelmed, dominated. I don't know how else to say it, simply by the personality of Donald Trump. So I don't think we're looking at a systemic issue. I think we're looking at a very personality-driven anomalous issue. Hmm. Again, if we had virtually any other candidate up there on that debate, um, I think Hillary would be toast. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, so so that, so you look at the Republican bench, I mean, people are it's easy to ridicule all those Republicans, but there's a pretty terrific candidate. Right, and it was pretty uh, deep. Uh, on, on the Republican side, and uh, on the Democrat side, you had Bernie and Hillary. And, uh, and, and and neither with very deep resonance. What you do have, and, and this could alter the whole future of the country, uh, is this deep, deep divide within the country. And, and Donald Trump was able to tap in mm. to that deep anger of people against the establishment, whether it's the Republican establishment or just the cultural elites that seem to dominate everything. There's a deep, deep, deep anger at that. And that's the thing to, to watch after the election, because if, if Hillary's elected, she's going to continue doing uh, deeply left progressive things that actually do alienate most Americans. If Trump were to win, uh, it will be like Hitler rising to power and by the, in terms of the, how the media, the Democrats, approach it. And this divide in our country is, I think, uh, a very deep cleavage. I don't see how that gets healed anytime soon. Mm. Mm. But having said that, it's all of this is really exacerbated by the personalities involved, not not so much the uh, um, 
you know, issues. Well, yeah, it seems like, too, you all, all you really need is a one really good candidate that can speak to the pain but is also motivating and uplifting and one one candidate that can step out. And maybe that's one of the things we've run into is, you know, it's it was kind of assumed that this would be Bush-Clinton um, this year, and instead it ended up being Billy Bush and Hillary Clinton that, <laughs> that has become part of the race. What would you say is as uh, as we're leaving? Anything else we need to be paying attention to um, that's that just needs to be there for us? No, I mean there are lots of things in the world that, that are just uh, pr- pretty depressing. I would say this is a very fine time of the year to think about baseball. A lot of really good baseball is being yes. played uh, in these playoffs and some big surprises already. You know, the, the Toronto Blue Jays came from nothing. Right. From winning a wild card. Now they're the, you know, division leader. Uh, so you're seeing some, you know, interesting good baseball. Yeah, and a little break for everybody. To, it could to, be the Cubs year. It could be the Cubs year finally. Oh, what if it is? What if as the Cubs... Dodger fan, as a Dodger fan, I... Hope that's not true. Yeah, except, boy, if if there's any year that we might need some miracle, that might be the miracle that we'll be able to pull yeah, off. Yeah. Joe Cannon's his name. Joe, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Again, uh, go to fuelfreedom.org where you can see the great work Joe and his organization are doing to lower the fuel costs here in the United States. We'll take a break. Come back. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, uh, Theodore Roosevelt once said, a vote is like a rifle. Its usefulness depends upon the character of the user. So it might be the time you need to use your vote, uh, you know, and your character simultaneously to, uh, I don't know, to to cull the herd, to clean it up a bit if you can. Amazing, amazing uh, weekend of politics. And again, the onus is still back on each of us as voters. So we do suggest you stay informed. Don't be too depressed. Don't be too down by it. But instead, use your vote wisely, and I would say with character. Um, And I think in the end, we'll all benefit. We'll take a break. Be back. Hour number two of the Matt Townsend Show up next. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Hour number two of the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Happy Monday to you. You're back at it. Today, by the way, is Columbus Day. In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It was a courageous thing to do, but someone was already here. That was excellent. Or Indigenous Peoples Day, depending on what state you live in. Really? Yeah. Well, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. It doesn't quite have the same ring to it. it we get it. It's but a little harder to pronounce. Just and so Columbus everyone knows Day. what's happening. Hey, why do banks get Columbus Day off? Why not? I don't know. That's not fair. Who wants to bank on a Monday? Well, the people that made money on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Are they walking in the door with, like, big bags of money? Yes. <laughs> Is that what happens? And then they get they, the door's locked, and it's like, ah, Indigenous People Day. Ah, blasted! It is Columbus Day, 
And are kids out of school today? No, mine's going to school. Yeah, I've, I think I woke mine up, so they better be gone. Just bankers. Uh, oh, yeah. Our, 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 our BYU students are all mad that I even asked that question. Why? Because they're going to school. Oh, they're going to school, right? Yeah. Okay. I had to double check the calendar because I thought maybe we were going to get Columbus Day off. Oh no! Yeah, if they miss, if if they have class off here on campus, they usually give us the day off too for some reason. Right? Like we can't work because students aren't here. Right. Well, like, we, what's up with that? Do they not understand that it's a job? Go to work. We work our students so hard. Right. Yeah, that if they had the day off, we'd we'd be able to make it because we've already worked them so hard. Right. Um, lots to talk about today. Uh, our guest also will be teaching us a formula for a longer and a better life. This is a doctor who has studied it and gone to China to study these uh, these um, what do they call them? These little villages that la- that live into the hundreds of years old. Entire oh, right. entire populations that live have an average life expectancy of ninety plus years. Hmm. And he's figured out what we're doing wrong. And he figured it out on himself because he was he had he had worn himself out. And he's changed his life. He's lost thirty pounds and he's gonna give us the, the key to longevity. Hmm. Dr. John Day will be joining us talking about that. Um, which is really good because he's about my age. And right. I, I think I'm going through much of what he was going through when he was like, I'm killing myself. You are breaking down. Totally. And then you're going to expose yourself to Zika. Yeah, I am. <coughs> oh, a little bit from Hillary. Yeah. <coughs> this wasn't in the debate. She seems a lot healthier. She does. Vitamin she, C. She keeps taking this, the debate time off to prep. <laughs> Donald, on the other hand. Yeah, what's that? Has a little post-nasal drip problem. Yeah. We'll get to all of that fun, plus some of the latest, uh, he- latest and greatest headlines, including a new uh, movie release, a new trailer. It's a lot of scary movies come out around Halloween. Yes. It's a scary time of the year. I'm not into scary movies. Me either. So what about suspenseful? Like Alfred Hitchcock? No. No. Mm. I wanna I want I wanna know what's going on. I mean, unless it's the suspense is because you know, you know, Jack Reacher, is that his name? Yeah. Unless you know Jack Reacher is going to have to save the day. Yeah. That then I'll, that's okay. That's I like action. Yeah, but yeah, I like to know what's going to happen. But you got some deranged person with an axe. No, yeah. not really interested. And then just the the one girl that's like, let's go back inside let's and see go. if we can find a phone. Let's go in the basement. No, let's not turn on the lights. Oh, you know, it's probably it's like, just on. the wind. Yeah, come on, you never <laughs> go in the basement. Last words. We'll get to all that fun, but first to the headlines with Sadie Nielsen. Sadie, what's going on around the rest of the country? At least 15 people are dead in the U.S. after Hurricane Matthew ravaged the southeastern coast, moving its way up through Florida and the Carolinas and causing extreme flooding along the way. Fayetteville, North Carolina, received at least 14 inches of rain, while other areas were drenched with 4 inches per hour. Seven people died in the state in addition to one in South Carolina, three in Georgia, and four in Florida. Additionally, at least 1.3 million people lost electricity. Residents in Florida are beginning to clean up from the storm, and evacuees are readying to return to their homes. More than 800 people people were killed in the island nation of Haiti alone as a result of the hurricane, which picked up intensity as it barreled towards the continental U.S. late last week. 
At least 160 Republican leaders have announced they do not support Donald Trump for president, with almost a third of those leaders having disavowed the nominee since tapes featuring audio of Trump graphically discussing his pursuit of women's surface Friday. Since the tapes were revealed, Senator John McCain, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice, former California Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, and dozens of others have announced they will not be supporting Trump in this election. Vice presidential nominee Mike Pence has canceled his appearance at another Donald Trump campaign event Monday, this time during a scheduled visit to New Jersey to fundraise with Ocean County Republican Organization. The cancellation is second uh, in the past few days following the leaked video of Trump's lewd comments made to Billy Bush on Axis Hollywood bus in 2005. And finally, yes. the prime minister of Norway... Oh, this is Pokemon Go news. Oh, boy. Um, we haven't heard this in a while. Was caught on camera playing Pokemon Go in Parliament. And current speaker has been previously caught doing the same theme. Uh, Prime Minister Erna Solberg was captured by a photographer for a newspaper playing the popular augmented reality game on her smartphone Tuesday during a debate in the country's parliament. Uh, she told the news that she didn't think anyone else would mind since she had already been caught playing it early in August. <laughs> wow. Kind of bizarre. We do mind. We do mind. So would you rather have your leaders playing Pokemon Go in the middle of important meetings or talking about... Is that even a question? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good. Just checking. Pokemon Go versus Access Hollywood's bus. Any day mm. I'd go with Pokemon Go. Catch me once. Shame on... You the catcher in the rye. Catch me twice, shame on Pikachu. <laughs> wow. That one that, that was wisdom. That was very wise. Thank you, Sadie, for the update. Um so much going on in the news, it's it's hard to know uh where to go with it. One little important bit of news, I guess Samsung they're in trouble and in trouble. Yeah, they continue to go down a path with this phone of theirs, the Galaxy Note 7. I believe they're closing in on the part of the production line. The, the production part? life. The, well, there's, they've been to the explosive part. They're going to get to the part where they just take them off and just forget the phone ever actually Are they going happened. to give it up? Over the weekend, another phone caught on fire. Oh, boy. It was one of these replacement phones from the original phones that were catching on fire. Yeah. The replacement ones were deemed safe. Not so. Not so safe. So, uh, yeah, these are – if you saw the, the, the pictures they were on uh, – I saw them on Twitter and things. But the phone caught on fire. The guy pulled it out of his pocket on a Southwest Airline plane. Oh, he dropped, was on a plane too. But he hadn't taken off yet. Okay. <clears throat> he was boarding. He pulled the phone out to turn it off and it, he, he went to grab it. Hot, there was like smoke phone. coming out of his pocket and he drops it on the ground and burned the carpet right down to the, the metal are you serious? base of the cabin. So uh, Samsung has recalled all those phones. They are going to halt production until they figure out what's causing these, as it says, pesky fires. Now they'll be be saying Samsung 7. Oh, you mean the 8? (laughs) Let's come out with the 8. (laughs) Or maybe skip and go to the 10. That's what Windows did, right? That's it. Move to the 10. Also, politicians in the UK have reportedly been banned from wearing Apple watches to cabinet meetings over fears the devices could be hacked. According to The Telegraph, the government is worried that Apple Watch's microphones could be used to listen in on high-level policy discussions, especially or especially by Russian spies. Wow. I, I'm sure they can, right? Because they can hack your phone and listen to it. Mobile phones are already prohibited in cabinet meetings in the U.K., and extending the injunction to smartwatches is logical. Right? Yeah, it does right, have a microphone. Right. You can talk on it like a, yeah. a Dick Tracy-type watch. 
I, th- I know at the White House, you walk into meetings, there's baskets outside the doors where everyone Leave just piles phones. up their phones. So this is that's like spy talk. Mm-hmm. I love my Apple phone. I take it to all my meetings, and I'd give anything to figure out how the microphone works. <laughs> but I don't know how. That's crazy. Okay, cool. Cool story. How about this one? A three-foot python found by a resident in a second-floor apartment is now in the hands of Chicago Animal Care and Control. As if Chicago didn't have enough problems. Yeah. Now they have a three-foot python. The woman made the discovery Monday evening in her bathroom. The ball python was wrapped around her shower curtain and on top of her medicine cabinet. Yee! The woman's grandson says he helped retrieve another smaller snake a few weeks ago. A former tenant who lived in the building's third floor bred snakes against the building management company's policy of no pets allowed, the grandson said. When the former tenant moved out, uh, neighbor Carolyn Sims says more than a dozen dead snakes were pulled from the apartment. A search of animal care and control Tuesday morning turned up no new snakes. So some guy leaves the snakes. And moves out, and the next thing you know, snakes are coming up. Snakes in a tub. I've heard of snakes in a plane, or snakes on a plane. Mm. Snakes in a tub. That sounds like a really good movie. That well, sounds like one on of a, those thrillers. Snakes on a plane was actually a movie. Yeah, it was a movie. With Sam Jackson? What they ought to have is Samsung 7s on a plane. Like, everybody on the airplane has a Samsung 7. We don't know which one. With Sam Jackson. light off. Oh, that would be fun. That's a, not, I mean, not fun. That's an intense movie. They um, apparently some hungry pigs have been chomping lawns in Northern California. Twenty wild boars have been digging up front lawns in South San Jose. Wow. What would it be like? Would that? Would you rather have snakes in the tub? What scares you more, snakes in the tub or twenty boars digging on your lawn? Hmm. It's a tough one. It sounds like a... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where did you say this took place again? This was in um, Northern California neighborhood in San Jose. You're not going to believe this. They they are actually making a movie about this. About about the pigs? Yeah. What? Yeah. So it's... I think it's... They're trying to release it just in time for Halloween. Yeah. um, Because it is... Looks like it's kind of scary. I think they're trying to make it seem like it's The Shining, maybe like a remake or a oh, sequel. I'm not sure. The Shining was but, a scary uh, I've got movie it if you, wanna, if you want to hear yeah, it. play it. Okay. I don't suppose they told you anything about the tragedy we had here last winter? Well, a man named Charles Gravy. He was our previous caretaker. He came up here with his wife and two children, as well as his 20 wild boars. And at some point, he must have suffered some kind of mental breakdown. And he let his boars roam free on the grounds of this hotel. Well, the boars ran amok and completely dug up the lawn on the property. And even ate all the geranium plants. You can rest assured, Mr. Ullman, that's not going to happen with me. Now, the site is supposed to be built on a wild boar burial ground. And I believe they actually had to repel a few wild boar attacks as they were building it. Now, if you're worried about wild boar attacks, you'll want to shine this red light that simulates predators. 
And that should keep them away. Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. Not by the hair on your chinny chin chin. Then I'll huff, and I'll puff, and I'll blow your house in. Whining. These hogs will bore you to death. Wow. Now I understand why you don't want to watch scary movies. That is scary. These Red hogs, light. These hogs will bore you to death. <laughs> My heart's racing. Hold on, I gotta breathe for a sec. I'm not big on the when animals attack movie. You're not. No, it's, it's like they they they've somehow they've uh, forgotten their place, and now they're you know attacking up the food chain. That's not how it's supposed to work. Well, yeah, it used to be you'd be attacked by like a mountain lion. Yeah, that makes sense. Now you're attacked by a boar. What's that? Isn't that one of the signs of the second coming? Yeah. The um, yeah, the weak shall inherit the earth. The twenty twenty wild boars. The weak shall be strong. It's the more strong like the, weak. The, the locusts and the. Mm, I love locusts though in the morning. Little honey. Like to eat? Yeah. Hmm. Books. Um, wow. Yeah. Where do you go from there? I don't know. A barbecue? I mean, they're boar. I mean, seriously. Doesn't what? like a pork sandwich sound really good though? Right yeah. Now? Ooh, yeah. Mm. So, here, piggy, piggy. I mean, they just seem so cute. But Jack Nicholas, is he in that song? Is he in that movie? Yeah, he hasn't done a movie for about six or eight years, and he's coming back to do the sequel, The Swining. Red light. <laughs> Crazy. Good stuff, folks. We will take a break. When we come back, be visiting and talking about health and longevity. Is there a secret? What uh, What is the rest of the world doing in those um, little villages, maybe in Asia somewhere where they live to be 90 to 100 years old? What are they doing differently than we're doing here in the United States. I don't know. Maybe Fruit Loops? Sugared cereal? Well, we've got a, a true blue expert that's been researching it. And uh, he's going to tell us his own personal study and life story about how he changed his own life. And uh, I think he's found the key to longevity. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer and love stronger. We'll be right back. BYU Radio. Talk about good. I've heard people say that too much chicken kissing is not good for you, baby. But I don't know about that. As many times that we've cuddled, we've shared stories and toothbrushes, doesn't seem to me like it's enough. There's just not enough of it. There's just not enough. Oh, babe. Though lately I've been feeling sick. So sick it makes me cry. Just like the more we kiss, the worse I feel. And I just don't know why. 
Oh no, babe. You tell me, I've got salmonella. What did you go and do? I feel so bad, and now I'm blaming you. What kind of disease is this that you're giving me? Is it in your beak or maybe in your feet? Now all I know is every time you're near, I feel nauseous. My tummy is rumbling. I lose my lunch. Oh, what you go and do, darling? I've I've had too much of your love, babe. Oh, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know why. I've had too much of your love, babe. Oh no, babe. As we progress throughout life, we're constantly on the lookout for those things that will help make our lives longer, more enjoyable. For some, it's a simple walk in nature. Just as the doctor had ordered, others need a busy schedule to feel that they are being productive. For all of us, however, there are some simple steps we can take to make our lives better. Dr. John Day is the Director of Heart Rhythm Services at Intermountain Healthcare, and he's here today to talk to us about uh, some discoveries he's had about longevity, living longer, healthier lives. Dr. John Day, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me on the air. I love uh, this topic because you're about my age and you're going through many of the changes that uh, I've gone through. Gain, I've gained weight. Um, I feel like my body's falling apart. I'm exhausted. And you really went through a crisis of your own health, and that led you into wanting to discover some so- solutions of longevity. Talk to us about your story. Absolutely. You know, it, it's something that I think most of us uh, – Somewhere around age 40 or somewhere in our 40s, oftentimes the, the American lifestyle catches up with us. Um, if you've got great genes, maybe it's in your 50s. If your genes aren't so great, it might even be in your 30s. But it, sooner or later, it all catches up with you. And, and that's what I experienced. Um, you know, growing up, I had this crazy idea as, somehow as a cardiologist that as long as I exercised, I was healthy. Um, but the problem is, I wasn't sleeping at night. Um, had uh, stress was overtaking my life. My diet was was absolutely awful, um, and and I basically just ate junk all day. But as long as I was exercising, I thought all was well, until I hit my mid forties and I couldn't exercise anymore. And that hmm. for me was really really the rock bottom because exercise was my drug. Yeah, that's how you self medicated. <laughs> absolutely, and so that really led me on this this path of discovery. And I speak Chinese and I regularly lecture at cardiac meetings uh, around the world. But my favorite is in China where I, I, because I get to use my Chinese and speak there. And and colleagues shared with me uh, a small remote village that was cut off from the rest of the world. And I think that was really the secret. Our secret is that they were cut off from the world where people live these amazingly long and healthy lives, free of all the, the chronic diseases that we seem to get at such young ages here in the U.S. Like, and the, the being cut off was interesting when I read the article um, about you, because the cut off meant they weren't able to get the sugars they that we all eat, the salts, a lot of these other, and the pollution probably. Absolutely. And, and that was the thing about this village is, um, until recently, there were no roads into the village. And so if you wanted sugar, it was seven days round trip mm. by foot. You couldn't get tobacco. 
You couldn't get sugar. You couldn't get processed foods. You couldn't get all these other things. And consequently, you know, people were physically active throughout the day and they had to rely on themselves, their communities, their families. Um, and so being cut off was really kind of the, the secret sauce, if you will. Yeah. And they, I mean, then you, so you discovered this village, you had all, you had already been researching because um, uh, you had gone to Stanford, you had been to Johns Hopkins, you're an expert in heart rhythm issues. I mean, and the heart seems to be kind of the core of where a lot of these modern day diseases and disorders hit. The overeating, the the sugar. Exactly. So, um, but you yourself had gained some weight and how did your health fall apart where you couldn't even exercise? You know, it got to the point, uh, you know, I had an autoimmune disease, um, problems with my spine, uh, esophagitis. Mm. I was overweight. My blood pressure was up. My cholesterol was up. Um, and it just got to the point that even just shooting baskets um, with my kids became too painful. And that's when I knew I had to make changes. And, you know, to, in trying to get through the day, you know, the fatigue of trying to get through the day and doing surgeries and it was just it was too much for me. And so I was I was looking for solutions both for myself as well as for my patients, because we know from studies that at least 80 percent of all heart disease is totally preventable mm. with lifestyle. And for those who have already been diagnosed or have a heart condition, in many cases, it's reversible. And so I was on a, I was on a journey um, for both to heal myself and to find something that would work better for my patients. It was, you know, I was getting to a point in my career was as frustrating as you do procedures, you think you've got the heart condition under control, but then three, five, seven, eight years later, it's back mm. and you're doing another procedure. And so we, we had to find more durable solutions. So you then kind of, I guess, reverse engineered what, what is the lifestyle difference with these villagers from China and, and what did you come up with? What are some of the differences that we, we need to incorporate? You know, it really comes down to just five simple things, to boil it down in a nutshell. And whether it's this village in China that, that we've researched and is going to be coming out in a, in a future book next summer, um, or whether it's other longevity cultures, there, these five themes tend to you see them in every longevity culture. Um, number one, eat real food. They're not eating a lot of sugar. They're not eating processed foods. They're eating real food food with a heavy emphasis, particularly on, on fresh produce, vegetables, fruits, um, legumes. Um, number two is that they're moving throughout the day. Um, they're not sitting all day. And so that makes it a challenge in the U.S., but you can adopt things, even for people who, who work in an office all day. Number three, they embrace stress. They have this healthy mindset. Number four, they get restorative sleep each night. And number five, they're socially connected. Mm. Embrace stress, uh, socially connected. And what was the other one? That, uh, uh, eating real food, moving yeah. throughout the day, and restorative, oh, restorative sleep. sleep. I mean, really, it's it seems like the basics, except it also seems like stuff that we don't have time to do. Like, yeah, you know, I'm too busy to get socially connected. 
I've got to get to work. <laughs> and yet, one of the things I love about your story is how you've incorporated all of this into your life, into your daily, into your daily routine. Let's just get into the first one, and then we'll come back and do the other four. When you say eat real foods, um, is it true you start the day with salad? <laughs> I typically will have a, a salad as part of, I try to have vegetables as part of each meal. And that's something that they did in this village. And, and a habit that I've tried to incorporate is that vegetables are a part of each meal. And, and why we have this construct in the U.S. that you have to start the day with processed carbohydrates or other things, it just doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. Um, and so, yeah, so a, a typical breakfast may include uh, you know, a nut butter, um, some fruit, uh, a salad. And it, it doesn't have to, have to be strange. Um, vegetables, just the, the health-giving properties, heart disease-preventing properties, cancer disease-preventing properties. Are, I mean, the studies on this are, are just, I mean, they're too numerable to count. Yeah. And yet something as simple as changing your diet um, and then I guess adding exercise eventually or more exercise, I mean, working and walking all day, which is the, the moving all day goal, you, you were able to lose how many pounds, 20 pounds? It, it turned out to be about 30, 30 pounds that it came off. And, and that wasn't intentional. That was something that just came off as a byproduct of hmm. living this way. And that's that's the thing that's that's amazing is um, in this in this village until recently, obesity, anybody even being overweight was totally unheard of until just recently. Living this natural lifestyle, you don't have to worry about a diet. You don't have to worry about counting calories. You don't have to worry about any of that. If you're just just focus on the basics, eating real food and 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 uh, and moving throughout the day. And yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's funny, we get so into the diet, like the diet is the answer, but the diet is just part of their life. Yeah, diets don't work. And for most of my patients, diets are really just a four-letter word. Um, it's lifestyle. It's living a more natural lifestyle. Lifestyle that is, is the, way, the way our bodies were designed to work. Yeah, I love that idea. Well, let's take a break. We're speaking with Dr. John Day from I Intermountain uh, Intermountain Healthcare, um, and he's an expert. Uh, graduated from medical school at Johns Hopkins. Also uh, did his residency training at Stanford University, and is now the director of Heart Rhythm Services at Intermountain Healthcare. He's he's published more than 100 manuscripts, abstracts, book chapters. He really knows what he's talking about, and we are trying to reverse. Uh, life in a way and create a healthier uh, longevity, uh, something where we can live longer and, and also live healthy while we're living longer. Powerful stuff. We'll continue the discussion in just a minute. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the line with us is Jock, uh, Dr. John Day. If you go to his website, drjohnday.com, he is uh, an expert in uh, cardiology and arrhythmias of the heart. Um, but more importantly, I think, is he's trying to find old school solutions and uh, from traditional um, long-living cultures and um, 
he's bringing the, those kind of old school practices to his everyday high tech practice at Intermountain Healthcare. Doctor John Day, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. Talk about it. So you, you've you've talked about the fact that we we really. Part of the battle is to eat real foods, right? Get the healthy kind of true blue real-life diet, not the ones that come in cardboard boxes and then taste like cardboard boxes. Um, talk to us about uh, some other steps. What else do we need to do to uh, – you were able to get moving is is quite honestly part of the goal, right? You just got to be moving all day. Absolutely, and and that was something that, that was a miss in my life is uh, like so many other people – yeah, I was uh, I was that weekend warrior. I would do big workouts on the weekend, but during the day, yeah, even as a surgeon, I was sitting through my surgeries, um, like so many other office workers. I was sitting throughout the day, and and that was contributing to a lot of what was going on, especially with my knees and my spine and my back and other things. And and I think the key message is. Even if you're even if you're an office worker, it doesn't mean you're you're doomed to get heart disease or other problems. You can incorporate movement, even working an office job here in the U.S. Mm. But you you could almost hear people saying, "Well, yeah, see, John, okay, that's where I'm different because I need to sit because my back hurts." And <laughs> and yet, when people find out that you write, you've written a book, and you do a lot of writing while standing on a treadmill walking um, and writing on a computer, you, I guess there's, there's not always a great excuse for why we're not moving. There really isn't. And, you know, maybe, maybe your employer isn't willing to help you with some of these things. Everyone could bring in, for example, an Amazon box uh, to their office and just putting their computer on the box and standing is, is one step. Or there are apps on your phone that can remind you to get up and, and walk around every 20 or 30 minutes just to, to get a little bit more movement in the day. Um, trying to walk where you can, parking at the furthest parking lot space, never taking an elevator. There are so many ways that we can reverse engineer and get movement back into our lives. Did did all of this walking, this movement, this activity um, even standing in surgery, uh, and then I guess that strengthened your body enough to 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 help with the back problems, to help with the other health issues. Exactly, and that's that's part of the whole principle of, for example, of physical therapy. Um, if something is injured or in your body, resting only makes it. Other than you know, maybe perhaps with a broken bone, but that's just a short period of time six weeks for the bone to heal, and then you're up moving. And that's the fundamental principle of physical therapy is that you reverse the pain with movement or activity. Mm. These um, these villages you found in China, for example, they, they have to embrace moving all day because that's the only way they get anything done. That's the only way they get their food, right, their water. Exactly, until recently. Now, of course, things have changed. The economic miracle of China has reached even this village, which is in the remote border of southwest China, very close to the Vietnam border. They now have roads. They have a highway, etc. But until recently, until just recently, yes, all of the farming was hand farming. No, I mean, it, there were no mechanized tools or machines or anything. It was hand farming. 
They were carrying loads of vegetables and produce up and down mountainsides on their backs. Mm. And that was their way of life. You had to move. Yeah, yeah. You move or you die. And one of the things that I found interesting, too, is these were multi-generational households, right, where with three or four or five generations of families living in one home. Exactly. You bring up a great point. And, and this also may help to explain why aging, particularly in, in some of the Asian cultures, like in the Japanese culture and some of these others, where aging seems to be so much more graceful and enjoyable is that within the Asian culture, aging is a status symbol. The older you get, the wiser you are, the more people pay attention to you, the more they incorporate you, the more they want to hear what you have to say. And the families were close. Um, these these uh, elderly people are all in multi-generational families, three, four, five generations under one roof. And they're integrated. They're part of the, the way. They worked in the fields until they were no longer able to do so. And then they were taking care of the children or helping with household chores. Nobody rested. There was no concept of retirement. Hmm. You contributed until your very last day of life. That is, I mean, we keep thinking, oh, the day I can retire and just kick back. I mean, I guess the idea is hopefully the day I can retire is the day I no longer have stress. But your third point is, well, no, there's a point we need to learn to just embrace stress. We need the stress as part of our daily life. We do. We do. And, and you bring up a couple of excellent points there. As a cardiologist, um, what I've observed in my practice over the years is the most dangerous day of a man's life is the day he retires. Now, for women, it doesn't seem to be that way. And I think that's because a lot of women are more socially connected. They have more things going on in their lives, whereas men, we tend to focus our whole life revolves around our work. And you take that away, and suddenly I'm seeing people with heart problems within just a few months mm. of retirement. Um, and so you, you've, you've got to you, – you have to have a plan. Um, life has to be meaningful. How do we embrace stress, uh, and what did you see in the village, and what do you see in your own life? Now, this was actually something that I really did a complete um, uh, turn on this. Is Early in my career, I was, always, I was telling, instructing patients, you've got to reduce stress, reduce stress, it's not good on your heart, until I came across some provocative studies showing that People who embrace stress, they may have stress in their lives, but they don't view it as a problem. They thrive on it. Actually, these people in, in a number of studies have the lowest mortality and the lowest rates of heart disease. And it really got me to thinking, maybe there's a different way of approaching it. And that's the way they did it in this village. Hmm. They went through a lot. Some of the crazy failed economic policies of Chairman Mao through the years, the Chinese Revolution, et cetera, et cetera. But these people embraced it. It was part of life. Um, and consequently, stress actually gave them, gave them power. Um, it gave them motivation. It gave them energy. And, and I think we're misguided if we're trying to, uh, you know, construct a life free of stress because it's impossible. Stress is, is, part, is part of this life. Yeah. In fact, it's, um, it's, I guess we, we constantly try to build systems with decreased stress, and yet you could almost see that I guess they could move their house closer to the river or they could realize that climbing the river every day 
is a stressor to their life that probably helps over time. Right. It's like exercise. Exercise is stress for our body. Right. If you don't put your body through that, then then you the body starts to atrophy. Um, and so there is a concept there of this distress versus eustress. Distress uh, being, meaning stress that brings us down. Eustress is stress that actually lifts us up. And, and so for many people, it's a change in mindset. It's a change in way the way they view their lives, their families, their this, their that. We're finding a way, whenever possible, to embrace the stress. Mm. You also mentioned, uh, as the fourth point, restorative sleep, which I, it sounds like would be distinctly different from sleep. It is. Um, we don't sleep very well here in the U.S. Um, many people go to bed much later than they should. Consequently, they're getting up too early in the morning. They're fatigued. They, they caffeinate themselves to get through the day. And this is, this is not healthy. Sleep apnea is another big problem here in the U.S. We need that restorative sleep. Sleep is part of the healing process. Sleep can protect us. And so making sleep a priority rather than trying to wear a badge of who can get by with the least, but rather to change the paradigm. Mm. And wh- what happens in, during sleep that is so restorative? What is going on in the body? Probably, at least with regards to longevity, the most important thing that's happening during sleep is it, the body goes through a repair process. For example, um, mutations that may have occurred in dividing cells with the DNA or other things. These are the chance for the body to, to repair. Um, and it's something that's still a bit of a mystery that we don't fully understand, but every study out there shows that getting restorative sleep is, is critical for, for health and longevity. Hmm. And it's, um, I mean, I guess when you compound that, if you've been walking and moving around more each day, sleep might come more easy to you because you're tired, you're exhausted. If you've had a good, uh, if you've had a good diet, you might, you know, have less caffeine and less stimulants in your body to keep you, to keep you awake. I, I guess it, it goes hand in hand with every other point we've been talking about. Exactly, exactly. And you bring up a great point. And that's part of the challenge here in the U.S. is you get in a vicious cycle. Um, people go to work, they're, they're, they're sitting all day long, they're eating that leftover candy that their office worker or coworkers brought in. Um, it's a stressful job, then they go home at night, they're sitting. And so they never get a chance to process that stress, to work out that stress, to embrace that stress. And then I think at nighttime, it, it leaks it bleeds right into their sleep and then they're they're ruminating over their day at night and they can't sleep whereas a great workout and a and a healthy diet um most people sleep much better hmm. does um and then finally is just the point of socially connecting how how did you see in the villages they were socially connecting and and how does it really impact our health and this is something that most people when they think of for example, preventing heart disease, they're just thinking about uh, eat better, move more. But being socially connected, we are social creatures, and loneliness is a big risk factor for heart disease. Many studies have shown this. Loneliness is a predictor of uh, an early death, and we are socially connected. And, and social connection could 
take the form of many different ways. It, it could be with our neighbors. It could be with our, our place of religion, churches. It could be in our community. It doesn't matter. It could be a hobby or some other group. And that's what they had in the village, is that this was a small village, 530 people. They came together. They weathered the, the storms, the hardships, the economic distress, the others. Families were there for each other, um, and they were connected. And that's the challenge here in the U.S. when so many families are, are spread out across the country. But thanks to technology and other things, we can bring families closer together, um, and we can create time for, to connect more with others. Well, and you can almost imagine having grandparents that live in the home, great-grandparents that live in the home in the United States. You could hand your kids off and you go get exercise. You could have time to go even improve your own marriage and your own life because you have multiple generations raising the family. Exactly. And that's something that you'll see in a lot of the, the within the Hispanic community as well as the Asian community is with those multi-generational homes, yes, as people get older, they're still contributing. Everyone can contribute. And also, they gain from that benefit with their grandchildren, and their grandchildren benefit. Mm. Um, it, it works in both directions. Yeah. How powerful. Um, and so when you saw the village and you started working with them many years ago, what, what was their life expectancy compared to the, the life expectancy in the United States? So that's a great question. Um, and if you look at the raw numbers, they don't look as good as one might expect. And a lot of that was because this was a poor, remote area of China. And right. so infectious diseases, until recently, um, would claim the lives of about, of about half of their children. Mm. Um, but if you could make it to age 18, so if you could survive to age 18, because there were no doctors, there were no vaccines, there was nothing. But if you could survive to age 18 then odds are you were going to go make it to age 90 and beyond. Wow. Um, but it was surviving the infectious diseases of childhood. Now, more recently, public health measures have extended to all areas of China. And so the childhood uh, diseases have virtually been eradicated in China, just like everywhere else in, in more modern societies. And so from that standpoint, they're living longer. But now, just as soon as that hits... Now, processed foods, Coca-Cola, some of these others are now making their way into mm. this village. Mm. What um, what advice would you leave us with in the end? I mean, if we wanted to, if we wanted to kind of do this reversal in our lives and take back our health, our lives, what what would you say is the the first thing to get started on? So. The first thing for a lot of people depends on where they are at. But um, for most people, I think starting either with real food or physical activity usually is the first step. And then it's kind of like you get the domino effect. Um, if, you can, if you can get the workout, if you can make exercise a part of your daily routine, you're probably going to start eating better. You're probably going to start sleeping better. Um, you probably are going to be more socially connected because now you may be in a class at the gym or doing other things with neighbors, et cetera. Yeah. Um, or, and so oftentimes 
Um, so it may vary from person to person what the one thing is for them, but I typically try to look for the, for the domino effect, to try to find the one key domino that will make the others fall naturally. Yeah, well, I think, I think it's powerful, and it's a great story anyway, just seeing your transformation, but also just your life. Uh, I think you're a great role model for all of us on this. Dr. John Day, go to his website, drjohnday.com, where you can find his blog, his podcast, so many wonderful tools and insights. Plus, he's also going to be bringing out a book next year about longevity. Powerful uh, tools for all of us. You want to be around, right? You want to be able to be healthy enough to to take care of your family and be there for your family. And uh, it's a great way to do it. We'll take a break. Come back. When we come back, our own Leanna Tan will be teaching us how to be a rapper. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody. You know, at the Matt Townsend Show, we like to teach you new skills every day and, and any tips we can give you to enhance your life. Today, one of our producers, Leanna Tan, wants to teach a unique skill that will add some fun to your day. She and a friend will teach us all how to be a rapper. I was reading all these life hacks online today, and one of them listed a bunch of excuses we give ourselves for not achieving our dreams. Like, people will think I'm crazy. My life will be messed up if it doesn't work out. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too busy. And then I thought, they're right. What am I waiting for? I'm never too old to learn anything. I'm tired of making excuses and being a dream killer. It's time to fulfill my secret dreams. So I brought in my good friend, Soli Purcell, to teach me how to be a rapper. It's your birthday. We're gonna party like it's your birthday. We're not against rap. We're not against rappers, but we are against those thugs. thugs. You know, I'm studying to be a rapper. Yeah, yeah. I want to work on my skills. So I compiled a list, mostly from WikiHow, just of like how I can be a rapper. And you can tell me what you think about these. Oh, I got you. Okay. Number one, it says that I need <coughs> to choose a rapper name. Yes. My name is. <laughs> You gotta have a rapper name. So how do I choose one? What's the best way to choose a rapper name? It's gotta be something that's close to you, I guess. But it, so it has to mean something to you. El Dizzle. El Dizzle. That totally that represents me. That actually really works. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Can't even find one for me. Soul. Soul. Um. Soulmate. Yeah. <laughs> He's soulmate. your soulmate. <laughs> that's a good one. Two. To become a rapper, it says that I need to start memorizing some verses like of my favorite tracks and listen to them repeatedly until I've committed it to memory. I have a couple verses of rap memorized. I already performed this for you once. This is when we very first met. I was performing this on stage. Yeah, you did. That was legit. That was literally so cool. You should do it again. Mm. I feel it. Feel it. He's a little bit old school for you. They go a little something like this. I always try to be the fly's kid on the block. So that's when I got this bright idea. Throw the party of the month. All the fine girls couldn't turn it down. Now all I gotta do is get my parents out. Should I send them to a movie? Nah, send them to a show. Let me think. Hmm, it's gotta be long though. The mics are on fire here at BYU. Am I on my way to being a rapper? You're one step closer. You Great. Got it. You got your name. You got some verses down. Let's see what's the next step. Three. The third step says write a lot of rhymes. Um, I've been trying, you know, rhyming couplets. That's good. Yeah, I thought of you. I wrote a rap for you. Really? Practicing my rhyme scheme. Oh, thank you. Let me bring up the beat. Uh. Yeah. Uh. 
My name is Liana and I'm here with Soli. When I was younger, I once held a roly poly. We're in the studio recording a rap. This one's so good, I know you all wanna clap. Soli is cool, he is my friend. Now I'll throw it to him because this is the end. Yeah. All right, can I throw it to you now? Throw it to me. So, how do you choose <clears throat> what to write about? It's just, you just have to feel it. So, and you said that you rap about the gospel. So, your Christian beliefs are important to you. So, you would try to incorporate those into your raps. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, it works. All right, I did my rap. <laughs> now, let's see how well you can do. Let's give you the same beat. Mm, here we go. Here we go. Coming in hot, yo, we coming in cool. Liana and me straight out of BYU. Rolling in good and we rolling in smooth. You know we be repping up that loyal royal blue. Cause uh, we know how it is, we on that successful magnet. We out here spitting fire on little tangents. Liana Tashi's cool, a really good girl. She got her own talk show, she run the world. Here at BYU, our kids know how to dress. In the immortal words of Khaled, we the best. 100%, same over here. The most sober kids and not a sip of beer. Sit back, relax, listen to me flow. I'm about to spit that truth and this is how it go. We got that on a code, yeah, not a whiff of drugs. We keep it clean out here and give out free hugs. Mountain to my left, a mountain to my right. Surrounded by the giants that keep me safe at night. Cause the white mountain lit, it's somewhere you can hike. It makes BYU the best, I'm telling you why. James the Mormon said it, grinding and we working. Missionary work is what we got cooking now. Uh, I'ma take you to church, do a little preaching. Watch me work now. I'ma teach ya. Walking into church, praise God the Almighty. He giving me strength, cause he knows I can fight it. Trials, tribulations, since they coming and they going. Fight on, push through, cause we have the atonement. We have the gospel, we have God's love. I save you, Jesus Christ, fighting for us from above. Soulmate and Eldizzle out. Out. See? If I can become a rapper, the possibilities are endless. The world is your oyster. So stop making excuses and unleash your secret dreams. Well, I'm Leanna Tan, and that's my little tangent. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. Hour number three of the program. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. We do what we can on this show to give you the information you need to live a healthier, happier life. Top of the morning to you. Man, we got a great hour. Uh, so much to talk about. It, apparently, a lot of the news this today um, is about animals and people. Really, people manhandling animals. So we've had the the swining yeah, movie the trailer. Swining movie trailer sounds like a great movie coming out about uh, twenty boars gone wild. But it doesn't sound like you're going to see it because no. you don't do scary movies. I don't do scary movies. But uh, I just might be able to do these news stories because they're pretty scary in and of themselves. We'll talk about a man manhandling a manatee, uh, punching a beaver in the face. And then, of course, you know, a man who lived like a badger uh, wins a a fake Nobel Peace Prize. A fake Nobel Peace Prize? Yeah. It's called the Ig Nobel Hmm. Peace Prize. I wish somebody would give me a fake prize once in a while. um, Okay. You just won the Oscar. Best audio engineer in the history of the Matt Townsend show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Thank you. Yeah. It's called an Oscar de la Renta. Um, I have so many people I want to thank. Uh, starting uh, with... Uh, sorry, we're out of time. Uh, but maybe when you get your next award, the People's Choice Award will be next. Wait. Are you saying that I won? We're saying you've been nominated for the best choice of people. So you're telling me there's a chance. A very, very small chance, yes. So we'll get to all of those headlines, plus see if he won the People's Choice Award. Also, uh, Kim Giles will be with us from Clarity Point Coaching, talking about how to give feedback so you don't offend people. You know, you got to give feedback to people. Probably don't say things like, you little jerk, to yeah. end your comment. Right, exactly. If you stop right before that, you don't offend. If you're Donald Trump, you probably don't say, you don't call someone the devil. But according to Jim Gaffigan, if you say it in a southern accent, then oh. you can say whatever you want, really. <laughs> right. And it sounds polite. That's a great point. In Trump's case, you'd be in jail would be probably be the what you don't want to end the critique yeah. with. That's a great point. Because he did that last night. Yeah. Or the devil, as he said at one point. Why doesn't he just let us counsel him? We could give him some advice. I don't really know if he takes advice. That's a good point. So – think we've got that problem solved. Um, we'll be talking with Kim Giles about giving feedback. Also visit our good brother in a BYU Sports Nation. Uh, see how they're recovering from the Michigan State game. That was huge. BYU did a great job there. Plus, um, of course, the hero of the day story. So much to get to, but let's kick it all off first with Sadie Nielsen and the headlines of the day. Sadie, what's going on? Billy Bush, a host on NBC's Today Show who appeared in a video that leaked Friday featuring Donald Trump making lewd comments about women, has been suspended by the network. In a memo to staffers sent out Sunday, an NBC executive wrote, They have all been deeply troubled by the revelations of the past 48 hours, and there is no excuse for Billy's language or behavior on that tape. NBC has decided to suspend Billy pending further review of this matter. Two missiles were fired at U.S. Navy guided missile destroyer Sunday from the territory in Yemen, controlled by Houthi rebels, a U.S. military spokesman told Reuters. The missiles failed to hit the ship, he said, and there were no injuries to our sailors and no damage to the ship. Both missiles impacted the water before reaching the ship. Samsung Electronics has suspended the production of its Galaxy Note 7 smartphones after numerous reports of battery fires, South Korean media reported today. The news comes as a smartphone maker faces major new setbacks following the global recall of 2.5 million phones announced in early September due to faulty batteries. After the recall, reports continue to roll in of dangerous fires involving replacement phones, including a Southwest Airlines flight that evacuated after smoke became began pouring out of a replaced phone. On Sunday, some U.S. wireless carriers said they would no longer exchange Note 7 phones with the, quote, safe replacements offered by Samsung after the battery fires continued to be reported despite the new batteries. And finally, a real new-life rocketeer donned his self-designed jetpack at Ooh. London's Royal Victoria Docks and soared high above the water. Oh, those always scare me. Yeah. Uh, Australian entrepreneur David Mayman took his JB-10 model jetpack, which featured airplane-like engines, for its inaugural British flight Wednesday morning at the docks. Mayman said that the jetpack, which can sustain human flight for up to 10 minutes and reach a speed up to 60 miles per hour, is the only one of two in the world. What currently. kind of jetpack do you have? Me? Yeah. Uh, I don't have a jetpack. Sadie, now your husband just, you bought your husband a jetpack for your anniversary, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I did. Um, it happened to be on sale because there's this website we oh. use that we can get things on sale yeah. for. So yeah. it was like 
90% off. So it was only like $10,000. Oh, but you, you, know, you know what? Don't ever buy a jetpack that's on sale. Yeah, that's probably not the best idea. It's like a Samsung 7. Yeah, yeah. Samsung jetpack or washing machine. Also, back to the <laughs> Samsung. True. Yeah. Um, I was on a flight this past weekend and they announced over the loudspeaker, if you have a Samsung Note 7, you have to turn it off and you are not by any means allowed to turn it on while you are on the plane at any time. <laughs> You must throw it out the window now. Oh, my heavens. They were heavens. extremely serious about it. Yeah. Wow. So wow. don't buy a That's Galaxy That's some no bad 7. press. Yeah. How do you pull out of that one? You don't. You don't. Because they have another – they have the Galaxy phones, which are not the, the phone that's catching on fire, but those phones are starting to kind of feel – the sort of the pull of mm. all Samsung products blow up. Yeah, they up. need to blow it up, and they might need to go by more than numbers. Because they keep using the name Samsung 7. Yeah. But just change it. You, you need to really call it, you know, the Phoenix. Something. Because it, it starts on fire. Called the, the Inferno. Yeah. Out of the yeah. out of the ashes comes the Samsung Phoenix. That's the next one. And then, yeah. Wow. Hmm. Okay. Uh, crazy headlines of, of, about a, a lot of animals today. Hmm. It is Columbus Day, by the way. It is. So, In 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. It was a courageous thing to do, but someone was already... Thank you for singing this, Jeff. I don't think anybody would remember the year that he sailed the ocean blue Except without that rhyme for this song. So true. It's also Indigenous People Day. Yeah. For those Depends that don't, that don't want to celebrate Columbus Day, we could just celebrate those that were already here. Yes. Hey, that was a nice little Irish jig you just did there. Did you like that jig? Yeah. I think I hurt my back. Little Hillary Clinton shoulder shimmy or whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> you had to bring her up. Just saying. That's she, what it looked like. She, she did have a great shimmy. A little shimmy. little uh, shimmy. Um, so what the debate, we talked about the debate in the first hour. Yes. We didn't want to get too into it because it's kind of just it's it's what you what you expect i'm really interested to see what the ratings were versus the football game because i had both on my screen at the same time last night yeah so i'm not sure if i count as double okay or or Uh, how that works again uh donald did make saturday night live and so we wanted to play that clip for you and i would like to take this time to formally apologize (laughs) what what are you saying I deeply apologize. Are you trying to say apologize? No, I would never do that. What I am doing is apologizing to all the people who were offended by my statements. And then you cut it because you can't play anymore. Apologizing. That was their open. It was. It started with like a recap of the vice presidential debate. And then it, it had Pence saying that Trump was of the utmost of integri- integrity and I would... I would challenge anyone to show any example of where his integrity would somehow be damaged by anything. And then they go, breaking oh, there news. There it is. <laughs> the video. Has, has, uh... And then they, then they, after they talk with him for a while, they go to Hillary Clinton at her campaign headquarters as they're preparing for the debate. She's dancing around with the celebration music playing. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. yeah she's oh, hold all... on. Hi, how are you? You know, is Did he ever back out? Like... Ted Cruz is he no longer behind Donald now? I didn't Have you see heard if that, that yet? happened yet. I've no, been, yeah, I've been looking. You got to be killing yourself because right there, when you jumped on the bandwagon, Donald, there is a conference call. Okay, that's right. 
Tonight, the RNC will have a conference call with its members, presumably mm. to discuss whether to withdraw funding from the uh, Trump campaign over the video and other offenses. So Holy we'll God. see what happens. Okay, so okay, that, enough of that. Moving on. That's all we're going to give you about Trump. Okay, but we let's get to just let's get to the real fun of life. This is like the animal kingdom gone wild. A man, a man, has now been uh, sent to jail for manhandling a manatee. Whoa! You know, if you live in Florida, you know not to play with manatees. You could end up going to jail. They're protected. That's what happened to this man, though, in Isla Morada, when he decided to jump into the water and swim with a few of the endangered animals, according to officials from the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission. James Roy Massengale Jr. was charged with annoying, harassing, or disturbing a manatee on Friday. You're not allowed to annoy them? No. Interesting. So they couldn't watch the debates. No, not at all. Uh, A witness told FWC officers that he spotted Massengale when he was in the water approaching two adult manatees and two calves in a creek. By the way, sounds like a really bad idea. Yes, it does. Just because, I mean, I've never had a manatee turn on me, but wouldn't be Mm. be pretty. Massengale reportedly told the witness, I'm writing it. The witness said that, uh, told I'm him that manatees it. are an endangered species. It's illegal. Get off the manatee. Was this guy four years old? No. no. Look, Ma. I'm, I'm riding the manatee. So anyway, the police arrived, uh, and they, the F, the people, I guess, that were watching were like, he was like taunting him, saying, take me to jail. And even uh, when the cops came, he, he tried to hit the officers so that they'd have to take him to jail. Oh. Maybe this was that old woman who uh, had getting arrested on her bucket list. Maybe that's it. Is spring break... No, it's not spring break. No, no, no. Maybe So it's not a spring breaker. I thought it could maybe be that. How about a, uh, a man... Or how about a, a man punches a beaver? Oh. He gets treated for rabies. 52-year-old Virginia man standing by the edge of a lake in uh, city of Falls Church was bitten in the toe by a beaver. That really hurt. <laughs> I'm going to have a lump there, you idiot. We uh, we assume that, you know, he was just panicked by being bitten, so he sucker-punched the beaver repeatedly in the head. Wow. But I don't see how that's a problem. I mean, you got bit by a beaver. And maybe the beaver was asking for it. Yeah. You don't know. Leave it to beaver to bite someone in the toe. Right. That was a great show, by the way. Um, a search for anim- from Animal Care and Control Tuesday morning uh, turned up you know, I guess the problem is the beavers eating snakes. The snakes are around the place, and anyway, and this guy just pummeled a beaver. <laughs> anyway, another uh, crazy story: a man who liked uh, to live like a badger hmm. in a Welsh hole gets a spoof Nobel Prize. Um, Charles Foster, a fellow at the University of Oxford, was honored with an ignoble peace prize. That's the zany ceremony at Harvard University for the people that do kind of weird things. Last week we talked about a guy that dressed like a goat. Mm, right. And he won the Ig Nobel as well. So this, uh, the winners of prizes received $10 trillion cash prizes in Zimbabwean currency. Okay. What does that equate to, does it say? It's dollars. Eight bucks about. Eight dollars. Nice. That's eight, a good Badgers? We don't need no stinking Badgers. This year's Ig Nobles were sponsored by the Science Humor magazine, and this guy actually lives in a beaver hole. Okay. No, a badger hole, sorry. A badger hole. Okay. Yeah. Well, interesting. And he won an $8 piece eight, prize. Eight bucks. 
or ten trillion in Zimbabwe? Yeah, coin? ten trillion. Uh, that's a lot. It's a lot of currency. You live like a king in Zimbabwe. Yeah, and I don't know if they have badgers there, but that might not be a bad life. Huh? What do you do with eight dollars? You can almost go see a movie with that. Yeah. yeah, maybe buy a combo. Yeah, at a fast food restaurant. Lots of people taking it out on the animals today, and making money on the you know the backs of the then, badger. Then you, you wonder why sometimes they kind of reach up the food chain and give us a little smack upside the head. That's right. That's going to be fault. the next movie right there. Badgers. Badgers. I thought we've already talked about swine. The swining. That new movie being released. It's only a matter of time. Mm. Well, we've got other news headlines we'll get to. um, We've got to save time for our other guests, though. Kim Giles will be joining us from Clarity Point Coaching, talking talking to us about how to give feedback to other people without offending them. You know, that's helpful. How do you correct something without, you know, turning it into a big problem? We'll talk with Kim about that, plus our good buddies at BYU Sports Nation. We'll find out about their show, which takes place at the top of this hour. We always like to find out what they're doing. And then we'll do a hero story of the day. Plus, we're going to be talking about a, uh, a promotion that a Michigan steakhouse gave um, that's now costing them a lot of money because Michigan beat Rutgers by so many points. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. More fun with that. Stick with us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back, helping you learn to give feedback. Welcome back, friends. You know, there's always a point in our lives where we need feedback or we need to give feedback, and it's a difficult thing to do, especially when we don't you know, you don't want to offend somebody. You don't want to turn someone off. You care about them. You want them to grow, but they need to get some feedback. So joining us today is Kim Giles. She's the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching, popular life coach, uh, author, and speaker, and was named as one of the top 20 advice gurus in the country by Good Morning America. Um, we uh, we love having her on the show. Kim, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks, Matt. Excited to be here, as Let, always. As always. Let's talk about feedback. Um, it's Again, it gets into kind of one of those territories that you talk a lot about where there's there's a lot of fear. We are afraid to, to, to talk to people about the hard stuff. Yeah, what's interesting, I, I found over the years we really fall into one of two categories. We either are so worried about being nice. And we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. And the idea of giving feedback scares us to death because we're afraid we'll offend, right? Right. And and so we tend to prefer not to give feedback, and we end up being walked on quite a bit. So I, I call this camp the, the weak and scared but, but very loving camp. Okay? <laughs> so a lot of us fall into that category. Yeah. And then the other camp is those who are not going to be mistreated or walked on and they will give you feedback all day long but they might do it a little harsh yeah it could even be mean but they're but they're very strong people they they will not be walked on they just sometimes kind of don't honor the value of other people and they might overstep their bounds and and the funny thing is i explain these two camps to most of my clients is they realize 
in, in their subconscious thinking, they believe those are the only two options. I'm either too nice and I get walked on, or if I speak up at all, I'm going to be mean and have people not like me. Oh, so true. It's like we, we make that binary, well, it's either this or that, and you're thinking, well, or how about this, this other idea, this other option? Do we just do that yeah. for survival? Is it, is it just easy, uh, easier for us to dichotomize it to an either or instead of realizing there's so many other shots and options? You know, I think a lot of it just has to do with the way we watched our parents or other people around us in our life. And, and we usually would see that if you speak up, you create conflict and mm. people sometimes are mad at you. You know, we watch that. And it, I can always ask a client, if you look at your family, which was considered worse, hurting someone's feelings and speaking up or being a doormat? And every one of them can tell, oh, yeah, in my family, being a doormat was worse. So it's much better to speak up. So I think it's all subconscious programming. But the the cool thing is is that there are other options. Yeah, talk, a, what I call a middle way. Talk about that. So so um, what what do we do if we don't want to be the jerk that just is kind of you know that's going to say it whether the person wants to hear it or not? What do we do to to get the point to to our the people we care about? So what I like to, just as a visual, have my clients imagine is we're going to take the strength part from the mean camp, yeah. the, the, the strong that will speak up for himself, and then we're going to take the love from the weak camp, and we're going to actually show up both strong and loving at the same time. Mm. And you, we can do this. We yeah. can do this, but for a lot of people, it's really foreign territory. They they haven't seen that kind of behavior modeled in their life, and so be they just almost don't believe it's possible at first. No, they, <laughs> you can do both. But yeah, in fact, they. But I guess once you've seen it modeled, all of a sudden you realize, hey, I can actually, I can be more healthy. I can be more effective. Right. I can be what well, I really want to be. We can, and we really, I think, find our true power when we figure out how to do that, how to be both strong and kind and loving at the same time in a way that honors the intrinsic worth of both people. So I've actually got about six steps that I I have a client kind of think through to sort of find this middle way place. Hmm. So the first one is to get very clear about the infinite, absolute, and equal value of all human beings. And and what I mean is going into a, a feedback conversation, we sometimes have a tendency to talk down to this person that did something wrong that we now have to give feedback to. And, and we're kind of coming from a position of being above them or more valuable, more important and, and so the conversation starts out as one where you're talking down in an insulting way to this other person. And whenever we start a conversation that way, it isn't going to go well. Yeah, that's not going to be pretty. I'm sure you see this with a lot of couples. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, I talk down to my spouse because they're the bad one. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> but like you're saying, get in your head that that um that and, and trust in this idea that there that everybody has infinite absolute equal value everyone's equal no one's better than the other and get that in your head why i guess that sets the table it it really 
does. And, and sometimes that means you got to remember that though you may not have made the mistake that this person made, you've made others. Mm. Right? Yeah. None of us are perfect. And, and we all have the same worth. And so we kind of have to get off our high horse and make sure that you're talking to this person as a peer or as an equal. And I even find this with my children. It's really easy with your kids to talk down and give them feedback about their behavior because they're smaller than you or younger than you. Right. But if, if you will get on a peer-to-peer level and remember that you're not perfect either and treat them with the same kind of respect that you would an adult your age, as you have this feedback conversation, you'll be amazed at how much better it goes. Mm, I like that. Okay, so that's rule number one. What's the next rule? Okay, number two, you must remember that life is a classroom, and every single thing that happens is here to teach us something. And, and I really believe that all of these lessons, every, every experience or situation that shows up is my lesson or my chance to practice being stronger, wiser, or more loving. And, and normally in a feedback situation, you're, you have your teacher hat on, right? And mm-hmm. you're, you're about giving feedback to this other person. But we have to remember that you're a student too. And this situation may be in your life to help you practice being stronger, wiser, and more loving. Mm. And before you give the feedback, you really need to step back and make sure that there's not a lesson for you in this. And maybe the lesson for you is actually about learning to give the feedback in a loving way and and really grow from this experience yourself. Yeah, isn't that interesting? Yeah, maybe my my reason for being in this predicament is to learn how to do it more effectively, not just to not just to teach people. Right. That's cool. I yeah, it changes your perspective immediately when you rec- remember that you're the student too. So my third one is to make sure that it's really your place to be the one to give this feedback. Yeah. <laughs> because I think a lot of us sort of overstep our bounds and take responsibility to correct somebody on their behavior when this is really none of our business. Oh, it's so true. So uh, be honest with yourself. Is this really your role or is there a part of you that just likes this being in judgment of other people's face because you feel powerful and maybe above others. And, and I think we really got to be honest with ourselves that there isn't times our subconscious ego part of us likes that role. Mm. Oh, don't you think? Yeah, because it puts us in a position of, you know, being the teacher instead of the learner, which is why that other step was so important before that. Make sure it really is your place to teach this lesson to this person. Oh, It's huge. Totally. Man, Kim, that's good. Let's take a break. Come back. I want to hear the other three points. If we've already gone through that moment where you recognize the infinite absolute equality of everyone, remember you're here in a classroom to learn. And am I really supposed to be teaching this lesson to this person? Am I the teacher? Get that in your head and then we'll come back and discuss what are the other three points um, for giving feedback in a way that won't be as offensive that's the goal. Stick more with, uh, we'll be back more with Kim Giles in just a minute. Ooh. 
Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. On the phone with us is Kimberly Giles. Kim is the president and founder of Clarity Point Life Coaching. She's a popular life coach, author, and speaker, and has written so many articles you can't even keep up with them. She's constantly writing. If you go to her website, claritypointcoaching.com, a wonderful resource where you can get all of those articles plus just tons of other information and um, and insights into yourself. Kim, thanks again for being with us today. You're walking us through feedback, how we give feedback. And uh, you really, part of it is make sure we're, we're supposed to be the one giving the feedback. Make sure that we're in the right space emotionally, that we're, we're here to, to help lift another soul. Um, and make sure that no matter what, we're learning as well as we go through this. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, my my fourth step in making sure you're in the right space to give feedback the right way without offending somebody is actually to take a minute and check your values, your priorities a little bit. What I mean is that sometimes we put ideas or rules or, or etiquette before people. And I, I've got a, a really interesting free assessment on my website that people can go take that actually measures the way you value everything in this world. And one of the measurements that will actually show you at the subconscious level, if you tend to put ideas or rules before people, and that might mean at times that you, you really can feel very justified being mean or cruel to people if you feel like they violated some rule or idea that you hold in, in great esteem. And really, if we get down to the truth of it, people are more important. Hmm. And so, yes, the rule is important and feedback may be important, but we've got to do it in a way that honors that the person is more important. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, and in alignment to your highest values, right? If we're invoking right. how God would do it um, and— then that changes the game. It's not just about giving the feedback. It's about giving it in a loving, peaceful, kind way. Absolutely. But, but still getting it across. Yeah, because the, it, it usually does serve the person who's going to be receiving this feedback to know what they're doing that may not really be working so they can improve themselves. It, it could absolutely serve them to get that feedback, but we've got to handle it the right way or they honestly won't be open to it. Right. So, so my fifth hint is that you've got to understand that if you come straight at somebody with an attack, they're going to immediately have their walls go up and get defensive, and they will literally dig in to defend the bad behavior. They won't be open to looking at changing it. They'll now be absolutely focused on defending it because it's coming as an attack that feels like it's really about their value as a person. So they have to defend their behavior just like they would their value. Hmm. And actually a, a better technique is to spend some time first validating them. Make sure they know that their value is intact, that you honor and respect where they are and their right to be where they are. Make sure that they've got a little bit of safety with you first, where they don't feel like this is going to be an attack and then ask, if they would ever be open to a little feedback, if it really comes from a place of love for them. Mm. And, and, and I call this a permission question. I, they're extremely powerful when you're going to give feedback to ask permission to do so first. And, and often with my kids, for example, 
I need to give this feedback, and, and I am going to give it whether they like it or not, but it doesn't necessarily have to be right this second. And I will ask if they're in a place right now that they could handle a little constructive feedback from mom, or do you need to kind of get in a better place before we talk about that? <laughs> That's, so we we may not do it in the moment, but we are going to do it. Right, and and asking for the asking um, for permission to do it, we, I guess it it puts it more in their terms. The ball is in their court, which I would assume would increase the likelihood that they might live the feedback or the content you're giving. Yeah, and besides, it really shows them that you you respect and honor them, that you're willing to ask before giving it. And and one thing I want everybody to be aware of is we, we all get tendencies to give feedback that's unsolicited at times, you know, some advice to people. And unsolicited advice is really an insult. And so don't be surprised if people get offended. Um, but just asking permission to go there gives them the option to open that door if they're if they're open to some learning at this moment. Um, you really want to honor them enough to actually ask that question. And again, on my website with all the free stuff we give away, there is a step-by-step formula for having validating feedback conversations like this, and it teaches about the permission questions. So if anybody wants more, they can can go to claritypointcoaching.com to look for that. Um, And then one more last principle is we just need to kind of check our ego for a minute and ask ourselves why we feel so drawn in this moment to to give this and make sure that it's coming from love for the person, not from this place of I really like to feel like I'm above you and I like to give feedback to people because it makes me feel bigger. We we need to make sure that it's really coming from love because as soon as you're face-to-face with someone, your energy gives you away. Mm-hmm. And if you don't honestly care about them, they're gonna know. And, yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and then it won't. And then it won't. The message won't be conveyed. Right. So I mean, that they'll be. Then they have to deal with that energy, along with the feedback you're giving. Right. And and guys, there really is. You really can give feedback from a space of love if you make sure you do a lot of validating up front. You make sure that you're, you're seeing them as an equal peer. We can do this, and we can have these tough conversations with people and not have it end up in, in a fight. It, that, it's, it's possible is what you're saying. You can. Yeah. You can. And, and I think if, you, if they feel loved and understood before you're in any way going into the advising mode um, or even asking for permission, a lot of times you won't even have to ask for the permission they will be asking you for the feedback. So what do you think? Do you think I'm crazy for doing it this way? I mean, if you really show someone you care and that they're safe with you, most people, it seems like, would kind of very naturally want some improvement. Absolutely. You know, another thing that I often do before I give any, I ask for some. Yeah, there you go. And literally say, is there anything I could do better? Tell me how I could show up for you better. And, and let them literally stay open enough that you let them give you some really good feedback. Then when you ask permission to share, to share with them or, or, or give feedback the other way, you will have earned it at a different level. Mm. 
No, I love that. That's great. See, Kim, you're all over it. And then at the website, when they go to Clarity Point Coaching, they can go get they can they where do they go to solutions, natural solutions. No, actually, the resources button is probably the best place to okay, go. Yeah. And you're the one who always teases me. I've got more free stuff on that, and I do. <laughs> you do. I, I just per pound. I it's out there. That's good. That's really good, though. Plus the blog and the articles and everything else that are all on the site. Well, Kim, we appreciate you. Keep up the great work, and we will take your advice to heart, how to give feedback without offending. Go check out the website, claritypointcoaching.com. You can get more from um, Kim Giles and her great team there at Clarity Point Coaching. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good brethren at BYU Sports Nation. Get a little wrap-up on the Michigan State-BYU game and find out what else is ahead. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends. Believe it or not, this is the Michigan uh, Wolverines fight song. We'll talk about why we're playing the Michigan song. BYU, though, took down Michigan State which was a huge win. Let's throw it down to our good buddies down at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's going on on their show today. Hello, gentlemen. Yeah. Hello, Matthew. Yeah. There's a little uh, Michigan uh, Michigan fight song for you. Do you know why what, I'm Michigan playing that? Or, that was Michigan State, right? I think that was Michigan, the Wolverine song. That was the that beginning was of the Michigan fight song. Do correct? you know why? Before they do, do you, hail to the victors. Let me, let me, well, exactly. Do you know why I brought that up? Yeah, why'd you do Michigan? Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure because yeah, it, does, no, it doesn't correspond man, to anything. Let's be honest. We, we don't really <laughs> you, you think never about know. the reasons for it or the content. You know, honestly, I don't know either. But here's the deal. Ann Arbor, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, um, they, they, they had a little promotion done by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. I heard about, about this. <laughs> and basically it was uh, on fa- their Facebook page. And um, whatever, I guess, the difference in the score was would be the percentage that – they would get the people would get on a yes. Ruth's Chris meal. Yep, mm-hmm. and the score was mm-hmm. what seventy. The score zero, was right? seventy eight to zero. Get golf, jeez! So that would be a seventy eight percent discount, which you know that's not even enough to pay for the the salt and pepper they put I on the I could actually go to Ruth's Chris. A two hundred dollar meal for forty bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but the problem is uh, there is also a rule that says you only get fifty percent off of the offer at the highest cap. Mm. However. They, they're now booked solid because everybody is now getting a 50% discount because of one drubbing of Rutgers. Well, how long does this promotion go? I think through the end of the year. Oh, my goodness. But it doesn't include alcohol. So, you know, just for those. That well, might. if people really want to drink alcohol, go buy your alcohol somewhere else That's and right. just go eat a ton of food at Ruth's Chris. Mm-hmm. Great deal. 50% off. At Chris's Ruth's. Great stuff. How about that Is game? There, a there or not? You guys, BYU made Michigan State just. They, I think it, it, it's legit. BYU is legit. It that was a heck of a win. It really was. And Spencer was at the game. I uh, know. Counting down the kickoff. It, it was quite the performance from the Cougars. Jamal, the Jamal fence. Uh huh. The Jamal Williams <laughs> Jamal offense <laughs> continues to be just amazing. <laughs> BYU's defense was awesome. The offensive line was awesome. BYU's stats, passing the ball, total yards, they didn't they were they were not that impressive. But what happens is BYU is running the ball effectively. They're eating clock. They only had four possessions in the second half, but they scored a touchdown on all four of them. Then the fifth was a kneel down. Oh. 
Great win for this team. They deserve it, man. Totally. Uh, Michigan Spen- State did not deserve it. Was it all it's cracked up to be, Spence? You were there. Well, it depends on what you ask. Because if you ask me anything, then yes, it was all that it was cracked up to be. <laughs> How about the food? Just the food. The food was great. Was the food pretty good? The environment was awesome. The stadium was unbelievable. The college football atmosphere, memorable. I mean, it was it was an amazing experience, especially for the BYU fans. Mm, this is exciting. Mississippi State is next. Mississippi That's State right. up next. SEC now, in the house. I need to tell you a funny story about something that happened to what? me on the way to the stadium. So... Where they had me park with my media pass was kind of a, a jaunt to the stadium, and I walked through all of uh, the heart of the tailgating oh. from Michigan State in my royal blue suit with my BYU TV bag on. And? And so one guy's like, hey, BYU super fan. He's probably seven beers into his morning, okay? <laughs> so I'm like, fan. yeah, I give him a thumbs up, and he's like, man, we're – uh, we're going to beat you by 40. And then another Michigan State fan across the tent from him goes, uh, sir, I, I don't think that we will score 40 points in, in any game this season. <laughs> <laughs> he cleared it up. He cleared it up. And he was very kind. Hey, sir, uh, I don't think so. That's great. And you didn't, so you, you made it. You didn't get beat up. No, they're very cordial. They're Did, really cool. Were you offered any? Spencer also has a police escort on his way to the That's stadium. true. You didn't mention that. Yeah. Uh, any good food that, at the tailgating party? I mean, you were. I didn't, I didn't eat anything at the tailgate party, but I did eat the night before at a place called Crunchy's. Which mm. is a local hot spot, and to get in on Friday night, I think after seven PM, automatically. Um, I mean, you have to be over twenty-one just to get into the eat. Yeah, well, okay? sure. Okay, so I'm walking in. We walk past the bouncer with my boss Michael Miner and our photographer Russ Merrill, <laughs> and I get called back a few steps past me. He's like, "Oh, hey, 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 you kid! I, hey, I need to see your ID." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness! Are you kidding me?" So I flash it, and I'm like, "He, I'm like, really, seriously?" He's what like, yeah, 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 He's yeah. Like, okay, how old do you think I am? He's like, I 20. don't know. I looked at it, and I, I'm well over the age. But the next day, Crunchy's official account tweeted at me and said, what are you, like 20? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Greg that's Rebell why you carded was also me. carded there. Was he Same really? restaurant. Same restaurant. Um, Crunchy's, now what do they serve? Because there's nothing it's worse than Crunchy when it's that's not. the uh, only thing. It's like oh, a yuck, sports yeah. pub. I mean, hamburgers. And Cracker okay. Jack. Yeah, I mean it's really good food, but I was like, "Wow, really? I, you want to card me? Okay, hey, that's whatever. great. That's cool. Seriously, Buffalo Wild Wings card oh. Spencer. Just to be fair, <laughs> don't they? Chuck E. Cheese continues to do it. Which you got to stop going there on a weekly basis. Oh, that's embarrassing though. And yeah, Chuck E. Cheese, they, I'm too old. Like, <laughs> hey, are you hey, young hey, enough hey. to be here? Hey. When they give you the kid's armband, little wristband at Chuck E. Cheese, and you're like, no, 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 I'm an adult. I'm like, a parent. I'm going to get the $10,000 ticket thing. <laughs> I'm going to get it, I promise. What? It, was a, it was a great trip. It was, it was an incredible game. I mean, there were so many impressive things that BYU did, and we'll talk about that today. The most impressive thing that each of us witnessed in that game. That's and what, great. what does ESPN's Trevor Maddich think about that? Does this change the projection of how many wins that BYU will have this season? Because... I was trying to think of one person that said BYU would beat Michigan State before the season began, mm. and I, I can't think of one well, all those people person. are in the loony bin. Right? Yeah. No, th- Mich- I mean- Michigan State is not what we thought they would be preseason, but BYU took advantage of that, right? 
So BYU has uh, decimated the wills of a few programs recently. And by, by BYU, I specifically mean Taysom Hill led BYU. See, this uh, is why— Texas and Michigan State. This is why independence is, like you were talking about last time, better than going back to another—I mean, another— Yes. Because you're playing all of a sudden a Big 12 team next week, uh, an SEC team. I mean, you could go in and do some it's, damage. It, it could be a disaster— it really could. Oh, yeah, if you're because BYU has a lot of program pride in a great way where, hey, we're going to play anybody anytime, anywhere. Um, and it's yielded 3-3, three and three, but BYU has not been blown out. Their losses have been close. Their wins have been close with the exception of this one. So BYU is feeling great mm. because they finally had that complete game. Kalani Sataki called for it last week. He said, we need a game where all three phases show up. This was the game. It's funny what a couple of wins will do, Matt, because when BYU was 1-3, and three, there were a lot of people <laughs> saying, this schedule's too tough. What are we doing? Let's this bail. Ridiculous. Yes. It still is probably too tough in the end if you want to like get... No, this was, a really, this was the hardest season ever, right? I, I, in my opinion, top to bottom, where like week after week after week after week, like through the first... Ten games, Where, and especially they games. could have been four and th- four and three. Would it be four and two? I four mean, they two. could have four and two. They could have been. I mean, They're they close were close to being one and five, I, five and one. Exactly, They're that close. Mm-hmm. Oh mercy! Plus, uh, boy, Mississippi State uh, down the road. This could be really exciting as well. Yeah, Mississippi <laughs> State is a little bit down this year, but. Uh, you know, you can't sleep on a team out of the SEC. You, no. just can't, you can't do it. <laughs> they're, they're not as good as we thought either. And now BYU has some good mojo. It's a short week for them across the country. They don't come west much, so this is a big deal for them. Friday night, ESPN. I think it's going to be uh, awesome this Friday. I like it. I like Friday night games because then it leaves my Saturday free. That That is a legit thing. Not to be selfish. For nosotros. I've got a lot to do on Saturdays. Got to pay ten- play tennis, and then I usually spend the rest of the day recuperating from playing tennis. Hey, whatever you need to do, man. Got to do it. Keep your joints, you know, fresh. Anything else going on, kids? Um, let's see. We're going for two picks. Uh-huh. One of us got two. <gasps> yes. One of us got both. Oh. Yep. Tune in and find out. Oh, my heavens. And then one of you got crunchies. <laughs> one got two and the other got crunched. <laughs> Good Heart stuff. Crunched. Okay, guys, have a great show. Knock them dead. Thanks, Matt. You bet. Stick with us, folks. In just about five minutes, you'll be able to. They'll unleash the Kraken that they call BYU Sports Nation. The Kraken. That's pretty great news for uh, Michigan fans. Not good news for Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. They're going to lose. They're going to lose a lot of money on that deal. They'll still get about a hundred bucks per steak in the deal, which, you know, not not a bad deal. They'll still get a hundred bucks per steak. Have you been to Ruth's, Chris? It is the it's once. You know what? Greatest thing in the world. It, just their vegetables. Mm. You know, I had their candied. It was like candied walnut or candied almond sweet potatoes. Oh, oh mommy, so good. I like sweet potatoes. It's um, it is Columbus Day. If you're keeping score today. What kind of a scorecard is this? This would be special days celebrated as a holiday for Banks. So more like a checklist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so here's a crazy uh, little bad boy story for you. Uh, there's some tough love out there. A mom calls the cops on a toddler who unbuckled her seatbelt. <laughs> wow, she doesn't mess around. This boy is going... To get in trouble. Tough love. Uh, and the woman called the cops on her own toddler because she isn't wearing a seatbelt. 
ABC7 reports, this is from Arizona, um, what Arizona mom Michelle Fortin did when her three-year-old daughter unbuckled her her belt during a car ride home on Monday. All I heard was her screaming and crying, and all of a sudden her brother, who was sitting next to her, yells, Mommy, Mommy, she's unbuckled her seatbelt, Fortin says. Fortin pulled over and explained to the little uh, child, Camille, why it's so important that she wear her seatbelt, but she wasn't sure Camille got the point. So when Fortin got home, she called the Scottsdale Police Department on her daughter. She says she wanted to make sure Camille took the issue seriously because of her safety was at risk. Apparently, two officers were happy to come over and teach Camille and her brother about seatbelt safety. They then uh, cuffed them all and put them in the paddy wagon. Drove them all downtown. Wow. Family disturbance. I added that. I was just kidding. Camille promised that the officers, uh, that she would keep her seatbelt on in the future. I guess it was an extreme choice on my part to call the police. Mom said, but I knew I was going to drive that point home. (sighs) That's a big deal. Pun intended on that or no? Pun pun intended. Absolutely. I like the piano music as we are arresting a child. (laughs) That kid will need some therapy, though. Well, I think that was the music that they were listening to when, when they were in the car. Yeah, that was it. Is that what it was? Okay. I was trying to figure it out. Hey, also, uh, hero of the day. This is a really cool story. Um, Albuquerque mom was driving home from church with her two sons in the backseat when she started to have a seizure. It's what happened next that the police say one of her sons has saved the day. We were driving home from church on Saturday, the same thing we do every Saturday. We're, uh, we've driven that route a thousand times, Nicole Piott said. She said her nine-year-old son, Ben Daly, was in the backseat reading the Bible as they were heading south on Unser. I remember turning off of Western Trails onto Unser, and pretty much that's all I remember, Mom said. But Ben said he remembers everything. I was kind of scared. I was just scared that about everything, if it was going to be okay, he said. I thought she was trying to make faces at Elijah. <laughs> Her brother, I get his brother, but I noticed that she um, didn't have her hands on the steering wheel and her feet were off the pedals. Piet was having a seizure, something she has never had before. That's when Albuquerque uh, police uh, reported about Ben moved his seat, jumped into the front seat, and he was able to steer the vehicle to the side and it only ended up grazing one other car. Then he, uh, at the end of the road, it hit a curb and just bumped into another car at the very end of the road. The car eventually came to a stop after Ben was able to put it in neutral. According to the police report, witnesses stated that Ben sat in the front seat of the car as it came to a stop, and Ben is now being touted as the hero of the day. He saved his mom, his little brother Elijah. So that's why we like hero stories. There's always hope. There's always somebody. And you know what? We could be the hero for our family, our friends, and our neighbors. We just got to be paying attention, be present, and let's just all step up. Each of us try a little bit harder to be a little better, make life easier for somebody today. Find one person, change their life just a little bit, just a little help today. That's the goal. We'll be back tomorrow. More ideas, more information right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Until tomorrow, make it a great one.